You're listening to The Good, The Bad, and The Funny, the educational podcast where every week we tell three stories, one good, one bad, and one funny. I'm your host, Jesse McIntyre. I'm your other host, Lynette Thomas. And I'm your other, other host, Stacey Stark. Hell yeah. Lynette! Why don't you spin us a yard? <laughs> it just feels too abrupt, you know? You want to? Uh, I don't want to chit-chat. Um, uh, let's get down to brass okay, tacks. Okay, all right. You can chit-chat if you want. Yeah, we can chit-chat, actually. I'm not ready to start. Okay, I changed Jesus my mind. fucking Christ, dude. Damn, well, what y'all got to talk about? I had nothing, really. I don't really have anything to talk about, either. I feel like I saw you guys I just told you guys the recently. most interesting thing that happened. Oh, recently, oh, hey, so. let's talk about... Okay, so... Stacy has beef with me direct, drink, drinking directly out of the bottle last week, or two weeks ago. Yes. However, it was hard liquor. Yes. Which is sanitizing. It sanitizes the mouth yeah, of the don't bottle. Don't put I your, your nasty-ass lips on anybody's fucking bottle. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? I was uh, How dare you? raised uh, a little Honestly, street urchin. Yes, And I feel true. like... Uh, that should be taken into account, you know? Nah, nigga. We live in a society, bitch. <laughs> and I have <laughs> firmly rejected not. that society at every turn. I'm basically the joker. <gasps> That's what we're going to talk about oh, today. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Wait, I forget. Did you tell me what we were, you were talking about? I, I forgot. Tell you. I already I'm forgot. Glad. I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, my God. I might be really bad at telling this story because it's... Wait, I'm trying to remember. Hold on. Is it... Is it... No, I don't remember. All right. I'm glad we could do that. Um, okay. So I wanted to talk about uh, punks and Nazis today. Oh, you're oh talking about gosh, Sid Vicious and Nancy. <laughs> Sid and Nancy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah. Oh. I love that movie. Yeah, it's great. I thought they were real people. I, I was, they are I was real. They are real people. They, yeah, they, they were real people. Well, I was excited to learn about that. Oh, no, fuck them. I don't... No. That's not what this is That might be about. a pretty... We'll, I'll talk about that next week. Okay. I'll talk about Sid and Nancy next week. I, also, I've never seen the movie. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's actually not that. It's kind of slow. It's really boring. It's... Uh, you're not missing anything. Cool. Bet. Love also, that. Sid Vicious was an industry plant. But that's a story for another time. I don't understand what an industry plant is it is a band formed by a record label to to sell records so like they were a punk band like an anti-establishment punk band right formed by a record label to sell punk albums to disenfranchised youth they were just trying to hit that market so they created this band the sex business what's wrong with that uh nothing <laughs> that's the part i've always a, been confused uh, about somebody from the melvins uh, that dude from the melvins was recently talking about how nirvana was an industry plant and that was just kind of my reaction so okay <laughs> so what they changed music there was before nirvana and yeah, after yeah, nirvana for sure. they fucking changed the game yeah so what so who cares yeah i don't get it okay I, I wondered, I needed to know if there was more to it than that. I feel like it's probably particularly, uh, like, taboo with, like, punk, though. Because that's very much like a DIY culture right. of, like... Right, right, It's a very much, like, a grassroots thing. So that is particularly right. abhorrent within that uh, subculture. Yeah, I could you know? understand that. Okay, let's get to my story yeah. about punks and Nazis. So, you know, punk is a... <sighs> fucking movement, I guess. 
there's a whole thing to punks. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. You know? Uh, which started in like what, the 70s? 70s, 80s? Yeah. Yeah. It's full of like counter yeah, counter culture yeah. movement. Yes. Jesus, Lynette. All right. Uh, they were also kind of like a lot of violent and aggressive teens just running around uh being anti everything uh and they love shocking people like they love to do shit to provoke people so while uh researching this i found out something super interesting about nazism and not nazi iconography in the u.s people who were in the military people who were in the military and came back from world war ii created like gangs of basically disenfranchised uh military like servicemen who started like riding motorcycles together like it was like biker gangs and they started wearing like nazi patches to basically say like i i served in world war ii um I mean, presumably they took those patches off, off of, a, of dead a dead nazi yeah. So that's how like Nazi iconography started and bled into the counterculture movement. Interesting. I did not know that. Isn't that's, that crazy? That is really interesting. I have a question. Yeah. How did they have access to the dead bodies of Nazis? They By creating Nazis. them. Yeah. <laughs> they fought them? Yes. Yeah, these were World War II service members oh. or servicemen, you know, who and so they took their patches? Yeah, it's like a trophy. Yeah, it's like memorabilia from the war that you were in. Okay. It's, I, it wasn't. A, it's not uncommon for like combatants to take trophies and stuff like that. Like dog, not dog tags. I feel like that's pretty taboo. But like patches, shit like that. And then did they wear them? I just said that. Yeah. I'm. Well, I'm just trying to follow. Like they wore them basically to be like, hey, um, you treat you're treating us bad your people the people who served in the military and killed nazis here is my example of me killing nazis mm. um and so they wore swastikas oh i from- see so this was like them saying like this is what i've done for you uh-huh. but you're not doing anything to help me correct gotcha so um so anyway that's how nazi iconography kind of got into the counterculture um and spread to like hippies they also had a whole Nazi thing. Interesting. Oh, Charles Manson. Yeah, yeah, I was literally just thinking of Charles Manson. Yes. Um, and whatever. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, but no, that's really fascinating. We're talking about punks right now. So um, in early punk years, uh, since punk kind of started in Britain, Britain was bombed by Germany, obviously. So punks started wearing like swastikas to be extra shocking to the British people around sure. them. So they started wearing like swastikas as goofs and gaffs. Just stick and a fucking safety pin in your ear, like, bro. Come, come on, bro, call dude. it a day. What are you doing? <laughs> right. But it was like tongue in cheek and not sure. serious. They weren't actual Nazis. Yeah, I, I could see myself doing something similar in my youth, you know? Being offensive. Yeah. yeah. In 1967, the National Front was formed, which was a combination of three far-right political groups in Britain. The three 
groups were League of Imperial Loyalists, the British National Party, and the Racial Preservation Party were these far-right groups in Britain. And they combined. Isn't that crazy? The, the crazy so thing. So on the nose, dude. Yeah, but it doesn't sound that far off from something I would... Like, if somebody uh, today in America started a Racial Preservation Party, I'd be like, oh yeah, that tracks. Oh, yeah. You know? But it's weird to see the quiet part so out loud. For sure. Because sure. the other two are like... The British Nationalist Party, we know you're fash, but yeah, it's not it's like... It's subtle. You know, it's you're, subtle, you're beating around like the bush there. Racial preservation, They're just cut straight to, straight to brass tacks there. Um, that's crazy. I kind of respect it. <laughs> At least you know what you're getting into, dude. <laughs> These three parties joined and formed the National Front, which was a, basically the white supremacist political party in Germany from ni- from like 1967 to like the 80s. What they did as punk was like forming in Britain, these racist people were like, well, uh, I guess we can just kind of leech on to this because they're already wearing swastikas. So the national, the national front in Britain oh, made, made the punk front, which was just actual neo-Nazi punks. Mm-hmm. That they just kind of info like scooped into the punk scene. Oh, in a way, kind of industry plants. Yes, yes, wow. isn't that crazy? Yeah. So anyway, because it's a bunch of fucking teenagers who were already joke wearing swastikas, it was not very difficult for them to convince these young people to some of them become fascist along with them. I mean, this is giving me like mad 4chan vibes. That's I wrote that in my notes. I was like, oh shit, I lived through one of these yeah. because everybody was haha a kiki on 4chan mm-hmm. and shit. And it just led to because you cannot have young white dudes sharing goofs and gaffes no, without fascism no. following directly afterwards. Sucks. We can't just have <laughs> casual racism, you know? Dude, you cannot have casual racism. It's rough. So they will take that shit too far. Basically latched on to these people already wearing not Nazi iconography. So we're not out of place wearing our Nazi <laughs> our real deal i actually am a nazi yeah it's easy to blend in like it's easy to blend in and and spread your message to people who are already willing to wear swastikas you know so that's so that's what they did when so nazi punks formed and it was just like groups of little fascist nazis in punk spaces just being the worst people imaginable they would they would storm into shows and like beat the shit out of people or slash people's tires or just like gang up and just beat the shit out of people it was weird mm. and they would do that and nobody liked it uh <laughs> like, everybody thought they were generally just a real bad time thought they were just the worst people imaginable yeah. um yeah so i i uh i have some quotes here cool I meant it legitimately. I believe you. It sounded sarcastic. Okay, so Henry Rollins said uh, some of the punk rockers hit back. So that became a thing that went on for years. It was a mix of testosterone, Reagan, ignorance, anger, and youth. Some of these guys were just 
lightweight followers and would only attack in groups but a lot of them were genuine bad dudes who were into like clockwork orange uh, scale violence mm. it was really no joke yeah that was a terrible movie i hated that Ugh. that's the craziest thing you've ever said what it's such a great movie I hated that movie too, I, honestly. I, I, I guess I understand I the. Really I understand why people hate it. I, I just. I, I, I understand why it's a ma- masterpiece, but I hate every I really everything that in that movie. movie. I really love that movie. It was just traumatizing uh-huh. to watch. Are you now, or ev- have you ever been a homosexual? Is the funniest thing. He's like being like interrogated before he goes into jail, and that just that military dude. The way yeah. he asks is fucking great. I I so don't like such a beautifully there's shot. So much I don't like about that movie. Ugh. That shot where he's like driving. Okay, it. we're not. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's not a movie podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. Uh, Dave Dichter. Uh, <laughs> Was said, hardly know her. <laughs> Sorry. Said it happened on Gilman Street in Berkeley, California in 1988. Um, Nazi skinheads were charging in the club. We were able to push them outside the club. They'd come at you in different ways with baseball bats. They had clubs and used their Chevy Suburban like it was a tank. God damn. We literally had open clashes for, um, for hours. Nobody called the police. Uh, I was out there with about 10 to 12 people staring down 30 people. An African-American friend of mine got his collarbone broken. That happened on um, Woodstock 99, too. Yeah. Where they where they drove, like, a big van in uh, through yeah. the crowd. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's really terrible. They just, like, plowed their fucking car into a group of kids. So, yeah. So, the thing is, I... Uh, was digging around trying to see what punks were doing about Nazis in their scene Mm -hmm. at this, you know, when it started, when it started up. And I guess they would either, like, call them assholes, like, on Mm -hmm. stage, or, like, one dude made a Nazi punk get on stage and just (laughs) gave him the mic, but he was, like, really dumb. (laughs) That's so good. And that's such a beautiful way to handle that. So he made him get on the stage. Uh, the guy was really dumb. And then he, uh, the tour manager grabbed a drum stand and just hit him in the back of the head with the drum stand. <laughs> that's so good. Okay. And I'm really reading this, these quotes to just tell you uh, basically it was a problem and mm. it doesn't seem like that big of a problem because they did they were like punks they were like teens but it is a little alarming that just well those teens of fascists show up in a place well, those teens grow up to be people who have an yeah. impact on the world it's, you know it's like a little fucking horrifying those those teens grew up to raise a little ben shapiro you exactly know? dude um Another quote I wanted to read was from Daryl Jennifer of the Bad Brains. He said that out of my whole 40 years in Bad Brains, I guess I should say um, the Bad Brains is a black punk band. Mm, I have such a rough relate. They're super homophobic. I thought it was a punk gang. They... um, So, no, it's a a band. (laughs) (laughs) My apologies. Um... 
Um, anyway, he said, out of my whole 40 years in Bad Brains, I probably faced racism or heard the word, uh, the N-word, mm. uh, maybe a handful of times. Back in the 80s, we were playing a show in Oklahoma. The little punk rock kid came up and said, I love your band, but my boyfriend and, uh, and his friends are Nazis, and they're going to come down and kick y'all's asses. But they never came. <laughs> No shit. <laughs> uh, that seemed to happen with the bad brains. No one came up um, up to us with any of that N-word shit. I'm thinking we're unique in that. And and I thought that was so interesting mm. because, yeah, they're children fascists. Yeah, like, they're not going to do they're, shit. They're only going to do shit to each other. There's yeah. no way. <laughs> they was really about that life and would actually talk shit to the bad brains. Yeah. You know? <laughs> The bad brains, yeah, the bad brains. <laughs> <laughs> Talk shit to the bad brains. I love. Were the that. bad brains slightly older, like adults, compared to? No, I think they were like the same age. Yeah, late teens, early twenties. I mean, early twenties. Yeah, but it's easy to talk shit. It's a whole different story to to act on it. Yeah. To act on it. Yeah. yeah, to actually go beat up the bad brains. Yeah, you know? that does sound like some some like child activity to mm. say you're gonna beat someone up and then not attempt to do bad brains it. does go hard as fuck too yeah it's, um, I, I think it's hard. you're gonna be hard pressed to listen to bad brains and be like i want to go beat these guys up yeah but it, also i've noticed that in my existence too that people will be very racist but never around the the people it would affect mm-hmm. like that's just interesting. I I thought it was interesting that everybody, all the other punks were like, yeah, dude, these people sucked and they came everywhere. And the and Bad Brains is like, no, I never Oh, I, I see what you're saying. So like all, all, all of these these white kids, all of these white bands were like, yeah, like fucking Minor Threat was like, yeah, uh-huh. the fucking Nazis everywhere. And Bad Brains is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. That's crazy. Well, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, though, right? Because you can't convert bad brains, but you can convert fucking black flag, you know? But apparently you can't. And I also want to talk about, and I'll get to it a little bit later, but uh, I was uh, in, you know, like hardcore, into hardcore music when I was a teenager and would go to all these basement shows and da-da-da-da. And they're... There were neo-Nazis there, too. Mm-hmm. It's like any <laughs> any gaggle of white youths, dude, you're going to find some fucking Nazis. Well, I feel like it operates in the same way a cult does. Like, of course, you're going to target these kids, right? Because yeah. they're poor and pissed uh-huh. off because they're poor, right? So they're easy fucking targets. Uh, and especially if you're... If what you're doing is just fucking people up. I Okay, so... Like that's what they would do is just beat the shit out of people and act really intimidating and super aggressive. And, um, that also fit with the punk aesthetic aesthetic because that is what it is. Like, just, well, yeah, because there's like in the pit or whatever, there's camaraderie to be found and beating the shit out of each other. Absolutely. You know? but, like I remember going to those hardcore shows and like one day explaining to, my grandparents like what i wanted to go and do and they're like i'm sorry like 
Do white kids are just beating each other up in a basement like that's what you're doing with your time i, I kind of get that's your, your grandparents perspective your on that one actually and it's like yeah that's what i was doing but yeah aggressive aggressive teenagers yeah some of them are gonna it was a be good fucking, time. the fascists are gonna blend right in yeah for sure and so because the like punk people and hardcore people were already aggressive it's like yeah now they get to move around in a gang and be extra aggressive to people. I think it's That's also what they wanted to do anyway. Worth noting, though, that like uh, they were uh, the people who weren't doing that shit were also on high alert about that shit yes. and beating <laughs> beating them with fucking drumsticks. And stands. they were beating them with drumsticks, <laughs> dude. Uh, so okay, um, I also wanted to point out that it was very hard. So I keep talking about like the punk aesthetic, but it's like hard to tell. <laughs> fascist clothes from punk clothes mm. they share a lot of similarities so it was sometimes hard to tell who the group of fascists were and it ended up being that the fascists would wear this is so fucking stupid to me the fascists would wear like red suspenders or red laces in their doc martens mm. and and then the non-fascists would not wear that right so that's how you're you, talking skinheads but here. it's like you know what if you're just a fresh young punk you don't know and you think you're oh those red suspenders I, like I, those red I suspenders. when i first got into punk i didn't know that and shit and I, I had a pair of red suspenders i didn't fucking <laughs> this this shit was so like uh it didn't matter by the yeah. time i'd come around but still <laughs> yeah. you know i didn't know what that iconography meant so you know? so so are you saying it's not okay for me to get some red suspenders you're fine so long as you don't have a mohawk and plaid pants i think you're okay yeah they're not against red suspenders altogether it's just punks who wear red suspenders so okay fascism was also during this time like spreading around britain again itself with all those you know the national front da 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 so um this is when Rock Against Racism started. Have you ever had... Have, yeah, I, I would rather have the racism. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God, yes, Jesse. Listen to me. When I read, excuse me, Rock Against Racism... I wish the viewer, listeners could see my angry, fucking face right now. Angry. That sounds like going to a Christian concert. Absolutely. But worse. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. Now, look it's icky oh the name is so icky the punks um kind of uh bolstered this movement that we're going to talk about because they were so tired of sure of yeah, they were Nazis. tired of these fucking assholes yeah right so they joined this they kind of like like pushed the movement forward punks did on mass but well they were the ones being affected by it, it so, yeah. right but the thing is but but that's not who created it which is why that has that name and it's so unfortunate because as a young punk how dare you yeah. <laughs> i don't want to be in rock a against poor, racism are you? ian mckay and uh fucking uh henry rollins yeah they, they had to fucking sign they had to co-sign that shit dude rough Ugh. dude rough so um poor jello <laughs> so rock against racism um was from 1976 to 1982 it was supposed to be just a one-off concert where they rock against the racism <laughs> <laughs> you know 
but it ended up being more of a movement and what they did I, look guys i have to tell you how this movement began saying a scene it's a goddamn hard <laughs> place <laughs> this so rock against racism began because eric clapton is a racist really that that kind of tracks actually so, yeah. so listen to this fucking quote dog this shit i, I was flabbergasted um this was a mailer i guess uh the tears in heaven guy it was like an open letter <laughs> yes dude it was like <laughs> it was like an open letter um that rock against racism wrote in response to eric clapton being racist out loud i'm going to read you what the mailer said when i read about eric clapton's birmingham concert when he urged support for enoch powell who was a white supremacist i nearly puked what's going on eric you've got a touch of brain damage so you're going to stand for mp and you think uh we're being colonized by black people come on i'm like he said what wait eric clapton said britain is being colonized by black people that's crazy okay uh Come on, you've been talking, or you've been taking too much of that Daily Express stuff. I guess that's a male site, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's a um, conservative right wing. Oh, I thought it, it was like a drug reference. No. Uh, uh, you know you can't handle it. Own up. Half of your music is black. You're uh, rock music's biggest colonist. You're a good musician, but where would you be without without the blues and R and B? Anyway, that's how I found out Eric Clapton was a fucking racist. Mm. And apparently, he did a concert where he yelled that black people were colonizing and then like called for the mass ousting of all immigrants from Britain. What a en- what was that guy's name? Enoch Enoch Powell. What a great name. If you're going to oh, be yeah. a racist. Yeah, dude. You know, might, your name, name might as well be Enoch Powell. That's such a mm. It's delicious. In the letter, they also bring up how he's in the song "Who Shot the Sheriff" with. Uh, say not, it. I, no, I'm not say bailing it. you out on this one. No, no. say it. <laughs> Bob Marley. With Bob Marley. <laughs> Jesus. Ooh. Mm, damn. Um, and that's really fucked up that he's a racist piece of shit. Okay. Damn. So that's I how even, I didn't know he was on that song. So yeah, me either. <laughs> me either. So anyway, they started an entire movement. These just, the people who started Rock Against Racism were like people who worked in the theaters that rock music was performed at. That it, makes they were sense. just people, dude, who started this movement. And then Punk was like, you know what? We are against racism. And so that they propelled it. Oh, yeah, that I'm, makes a lot of They don't want that shit in their fucking venue. Yeah. And the people performing are like, yeah, you know what? Fuck this. So they created like an anti-fascist fanzine called Temporary Hoarding, um, Rock Against Racism, through <laughs> carnivals um, like in major British cities. Yeah, I know. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Anyway, it's, it, where they just like chanted like, fuck fascists. <laughs> Hell yeah. And there's just like a Ferris wheel? And, I, and I clowns guess. and shit you know, that's a petting zoo hell yeah um, and a dude with liberty spikes that's amazing uh it was super successful and they were really successfully able to basically stop nazis from being comfortable in the punk scene hell and i think that's yeah. really cool also uh i did bring up the hardcore scene um earlier like the, the so the punk people kind of became hardcore 
yeah. people as a progression rate. So when and when like fascists decided to show up there, they also like in the nineties and um, early two thousands, they created like a gang that was like anti fascist yeah. gang and. Uh, would just beat the shit out of anybody. There were several of them, actually, that would just beat the shit out of anybody who um, was being racist um, in the hardcore scene, which led directly to Antifa. And that's how we have... The Black Block today. The Antifa movement. Hell yeah. I love that that, like, yeah, that anti-fascist streak still runs strong, like, to this day. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I firmly believe that, like, punk rock and hardcore is such a huge influence on like why i am so strongly anti-racist and so strongly anti-fascist today you know i i was kind of on a slippery i won't say like i was heading towards that but i could have very easily been steered in that direction i think you know i was angry and young and poor and uh, looking for a sense of community i'm lucky i found the one i found and not something else you know i remember being a um like hanging out with punks and they were constantly drawing fucking swaths yeah places and shit and um like i don't know dude i sometimes i'm like are we listening to the same music that's crazy that y'all are well, leaning I think you're, into you're the ta- i won't censor his name but kyle butler uh-huh. you know he's just a fucking idiot it's like that yeah. kid, that guy they dra- drug up on stage. He was just a fucking idiot. Uh-huh. You know? And that's what I think what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But anyway, I knew a, a little black kid that kept joking about going to Klan rallies. Like, like pro being pro-Klan about it. <laughs> do, do I know this kid? I don't think so. And he's probably dead now. Oh. I can't imagine well, that guy's good. alive. Um, but like, we would hang out at the skate park and he'd be like, yeah, um, I'm mixed and like, my mom is white, and so... Oh, God, bud. So he created, like, the creepiest backstory for himself. Like, a black man raped my mom, and then she had me, and I mixed. So I go to clan rallies. <laughs> what the fuck, bro? <laughs> With my mom's family. Well, Wild. God damn, this took such a dark turn. Huh? Do you, like, did you believe that that was true? Absolutely not. Okay. I thought he was just trying to fit in with a bunch of fascist white people. Mm. And that's weird and bad. So that's my, that was it. I learned some stuff. Thank you, Lynette. You're welcome. Stacy Stark. Are you guys ready for me to tell a story? Yeah, you should spin us a yarn. All right, this week. My white woman is... It's Gwyneth Paltrow. So... Um, I wish I would have gotten the year that this happened. I think it was like maybe 2017. Um, that Gwyneth Paltrow was in a ski accident with an elderly man named Terry Sanderson. And then I think it was like three years later that Terry Sanderson decided to sue Gwyneth Paltrow for the damages caused to him from the ski accident. And he is suing her for $3.2 million. And because she claims that he's the one who hit her, she's countersuing him for $1. Noble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he claims that she caused broken ribs and uh, brain damage 
I do remember this now. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you would forget it. I feel so underprepared, but I don't know how I could ever possibly be fully prepared to do this. It was like 80 hours worth of trial footage. It's like crazy that you watched it. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I watched. I had a very similar experience this week with my research, and that shit's rough, dude. Yeah. Like you, I would just have watched highlight videos. Yeah, but there was I mean, a lot of coverage of this. Yeah, yeah. But they're but they're like, I wanted to form my own opinions. That's very fair. <clears throat> okay. I didn't want to just be like saying what other people said about it. I see. All right. So day one, um, Terry's lawyer, um, Bueller. His lawyers are Bueller, Sykes, and then Kristen. <laughs> Those are the names I got. <laughs> uh, so Bueller's opening statements. Um, he claims that Gwyneth Paltrow was the uphill skier and that she was watching to the side looking at her kids skiing when she hit Terry. He said that Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't think that it was that big of a deal. She said he wasn't that injured, even though he broke some of his ribs, and he also claims to have a traumatic brain injury. Terry claims that his quality of life was diminished. After the crash, um, Terry's lawyer said uh, that Terry is no longer charming. That's terrible. So good. Yeah. All right, so these are um, Gwyneth Paltrow's lawyer's opening statements. Um, His name is Owens. So she has uh, Owens and Egan. And... uh, Owen says, uh, you are not to award anyone anything because you feel sorry for them. You're here to decide whether someone neg- negligently crashed into someone or if no one did. Uh, he said, there are inherent risks of skiing. If I don't do this right, I could kill myself. <laughs> like, he just said that out, right? It's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said, don't abandon your common sense. And he, uh, when he's talking about uh, Terry, he accidentally calls him Terry Sanders. <laughs> he explains that skiing is a sentimental activity for Gwyneth Paltrow because her dad used to take her skiing um, and like he taught her how to ski, but then uh, he died. Oh. And so then she didn't ski for many years after that. But then when she had kids, she wanted to teach them how to ski. And, uh, this was also an important vacation for her because she was dating Brad Falchuk at the time. Oh. And they each had two children. Um, so she had a boy and a girl, and he had a boy and a girl, and they were the same age. And this ski trip was meant to see if they could blend the two families together before they got married. Uh-huh. As you do. This yeah. is sounding more and more like the plot of a movie that Gwyneth Paltrow was just in. Yeah. What movie you know? is it? I don't know. It's just, this sounds like it at could a ski be. Lodge or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know? Maybe it's based on. Was there an accident and did she get sued in the movie? Uh, this is a there real is no movie. movie. Oh. I mean, it could be. This is what I'm saying. This could be a movie she was in. Oh. <laughs> like, we should just I'm write like, this. What are you talking about? The way you said it, it sounded like there was a real we movie. We should write this movie. I'm not writing shit. And I don't think Gwyneth Paltrow wants sell it to Hallmark. I don't think she I'm wants sure to we spend, can find another Gwyneth Paltrow. You know? I, I'm just saying I don't think that she wants to spend any more time thinking about. I this. mean, if we can get Gwyneth Paltrow, we might as well get Gwyneth Paltrow. Sure. Okay. But I mean, like, 
I, you know, I didn't spend years and years on this. All of these people spent years on this. I only spent, what, like three weeks on this, not consecutively, and uh, I don't want to relive it. <laughs> mm. um, so she, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow had uh, hired a ski instructor for her son, Eric Christensen, and whenever Owens talks about Eric Christensen, he, he calls him Eric Christiansen. <laughs> Uh, but then later in the trial, he said, I just found out I've been saying it wrong for years. For years? <laughs> yeah. Did, did Gwyneth not he, bother he to correct ate, him? Didn't he write, like, he's seen the the kid's name in documents, right? This is a ski instructor. Oh, the ski instructor's name in the court documents, though. Right, but the name Christensen, uh, it's like C-H-R-I-S... T-I-A-N-S-E-N. So it looks like Christiansen if you're like reading it phonetically. But like anyone who knows uh, names yeah, would know, that, would know was, that that's not right. It was just Christiansen because that's how it, that name is spelled. This has probably taken a few hits to the head as a ski instructor. instructor. No, this is the, the lawyer. This is the lawyer? Yeah. yeah. Not the ski instructor? And again, why, why do y'all know each other for years? Is it because of the length of the trial? Yeah, because they, they oh, worked on the case for, for like three years. Okay. Okay. Um, also, okay. So Owens is like talking about uh, like right after Terry crashed into Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, he said she might have said something like, what the F word? And she might have even said the F word. We're going to figure that out. <laughs> um, he uh, is, He's talking about, like, emails that Terry sent after the ski accident. And instead of calling them emails, he calls them posts. Like, he's like, Terry posted. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And he tells the jury... Uh, that they'll be able to tell their grandchildren about how they helped their community by serving on this jury. <laughs> That's beautiful. I've always wanted to serve on a jury. Me too. I think it would be fun. Me too. But I don't want it to be like something really stupid, you know? Yeah, I want it to be like a murder, you know? Yeah. Basically, or, or I just want to... Or a trial, or really funny. That would yeah. be cool. Or like the... I would love to serve on the Trump thing. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that lady who got everybody do you remember what i'm talking about there was that lady who just like kept taking interviews she was like on the jury and she kept just, talking like, about how she, all yeah she was like business. oh I just, so, I just thought it was so neat to be sitting so close to the president and like but yeah i kind of get it <laughs> like that sounds kind of <laughs> awesome <laughs> no i'm gonna talk about this shit hand me a motherfucking microphone exactly the first witness to the stand is craig ramon and craig ramon is a guy who was in terry's uh, ski group so they have like an online meetup group where people can like suggest a location for like anyone who's interested to come and hang out and like do an ac- activity together. Uh-huh. Um, it's like an old people thing, and uh, <laughs> and so um, yeah, Craig Ramon is just—he was just part of Terry's meetup group. That's actually kind of cute. Mm. I want to do that. Yeah, we should have. I want to do activities. I want a nice BLT. Like, we all just go to, like, Guitar Center, you know? And just scratch up the guitars. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> so, 
Craig Ramon is Terry's best witness for the case because he was uphill skiing down like behind the accident. Okay. Um, and then he also is the one who was with Terry like in the moments after the accident. Uh-huh. However, he didn't actually see the accident. <laughs> Great. But he's the their best witness. <laughs> um, but he said that uh, Gwyneth hit him, fell on him, and bounced off. It's so funny. She weighs like what? Like it's bounceable. It's a bounceable it's, amount, honestly. If you're thinking about so it, she's so small. I've I've definitely bounced off probably, of someone. She's before. really tall, though. How fat is Terry? I think at the time he was fatter than he was during the yeah I, if i remember correctly belly, he was like stockier and on the shorter side right and then mm. i i'm gwyneth paltrow is like really tall, tall and skinny yeah yeah she i don't i can't see her doing much damage i guess if she was going really fast I'm, I'm, but what she was going uphill right no, no, you can't go well, up. How skiing. the fuck do you go uphill? I they don't both know. Going downhill. They were both going downhill. But the the debate is between who was behind who, who like hit who. Uh, I see. Who? Oh, the uphill. You mean like who was further uphill? I see. So like, for for him to say that she fell on him and bounced off, it just doesn't make sense. They're both wearing skis. That that, that is true. That would have been just insane. Mm-hmm. That would have right. just been an insane thing. Unless she, like, broke all of her bones. That's, like, the only way you could fall directly on top of someone in skis. Is that what you're saying? You're like, yeah, like, your the legs shape of would, the like, ski. exactly. break and, like, snap forward. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if, I don't think I understand don't skiing. But so, both their- so if you're you're here on two, two long stick boys, right? <laughs> And someone, and someone is in front of you on two long stick boys, yeah. and you know you oh, you're going to hit the stick them. boys before right. The, okay, you can't, the stick boys are going to come in contact. Exactly. I but, see what you're so saying. So unless she like, and you never want to cross stick both boys. of her fucking ankles and flattened like yeah, a field him way. Like a forty five degree <laughs> yeah, angle or some shit way was going to happen. <laughs> okay, but, like apparently, uh, like skis and like ski shoes apparently like they do have like a release mechanism uh, uh-huh. in case something like that happens oh in case your stick or your long boys get like tangled or some shit but uh both of their skis were fully intact like after they oh collided. okay so wow yeah. i'm sorry what did he say all of his damages were that he had four broken ribs and uh and a tbi Traumatic brain injury. Yeah, it's wild, dude. You're not even that far off the ground. Like, how did that much happen to you? He also had osteoporosis. Um, well, then he shouldn't he be skiing. Was, I'm sorry. I think at the time of the accident, I think he was 67 years old. That's on him. And he also had brain issues before. Uh, that's also on him. Why are you on the slopes, bro? I think he's just what a cra- do I think he's just a crazy dude with money. And, and he was blinded one eye. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. This guy, I'm starting to think that maybe this oh, guy's on some shit. bullshit. Yeah. He's full of shit. 
Yeah. Um, but okay. So I guess I'll back up a little. The thing about this is that Terry doesn't actually remember what happened and like nothing that anyone says about like his side of how the crash occurred like there's no like solid like this is exactly what happened Uh this is exactly how it happened but with Gwyneth Paltrow she knows exactly what happened and she tells it exactly how it that is insane to not remember something and be like I'm gonna sue but the way that I that I that I imagined it happened is the way that it happened for sure which is like yeah. like it's what okay. it, I think it's okay to feel that it happened like you feel like it happened that way and that's fine. but to sue somebody when you can't remember and also to sue somebody like cause you felt you went boom at a ski resort shut up thank you stay off the slopes shut up yeah yeah you got three broken ribs Talk. come on now and that was that was part of um, her counsel's argument was like that there are inherent risks of skiing, uh-huh. so even if this did happen, that doesn't necessarily like I mean make I it owe you money, fault. dog. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. All right. So, someone want to let the dog out? I got it. You're such an asshole, dude. Oh, God, Jesse, why do you exist? All right, so Craig Ramon, like, he first testifies um, to Terry's lawyer, Mr. Sykes. Um, and he describes Terry as an acquaintance, not a good friend. He and uh, Mr. Sykes measure the courtroom with a tape measurer to show how far away he was from the accident when it occurred. That's hilarious. Which, like, it's just ridiculous. Like, I don't know. And it was just very, very clumsy. And, like, like you could, like, hear the tape measure and, like, they just But he didn't it. see it. Right. So, do who... What the fuck does it matter? I... They were pulling out literally anything of their asses that they possibly could... Like, they were just doing literally anything that they could to have a case. I see. Because they didn't really have a good case. Uh, Mr. Sykes can't stop coughing. Okay, Mr. Sykes said, uh, describe Eric Christensen's level of hostility. And, okay, so what he's referring to is when Craig is, like, at the accident, um, and Eric Christensen comes over to the accident because he's the ski instructor that's, like, nearby, he comes over to, to like, after, like, they uh-huh. fall down, and he's, like, trying to help them out. Um, Terry, like, claims that um, that Eric was just yelling at him and, uh, and like, wasn't helping him at all. And so that's why uh, Mr. Sykes uh, says, describe Eric Christensen's level of hostility to the jury. And Craig says, he was very hostile. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sykes says, describe it. And Craig says he was just yelling. <laughs> okay, I I just wrote like I don't think that like this sounds real like realistic of someone who's like working at a ski resort. Uh, like Craig said that Terry was like face down in the snow and Eric was just yelling at him 
and like i just i just can't imagine that like an employee yeah at the scene of an accident no matter who caused it i i just if yeah. someone's laying face down in the snow supposedly like why would you just be yelling why at would them? you just be yelling at them yeah what what could you even possibly be yelling at them <laughs> what have you done that's yeah that's like what were you yelling at why are you on the slopes <laughs> yeah. the same thing i've been yelling this entire well, time i was gonna say maybe if it was a black ski resort i could definitely see somebody <laughs> being like what the fuck was you even doing out here you old ass that's what you get that is exactly what you get that'd be me we should we should open a ski ski slope and then you can just do that so i could just yell because yeah. what was you doing you know you wasn't supposed to be out here. And you I would go skiing then. That sounds like fun. <laughs> you only got one eye. What the fuck? Go on. So. <laughs> Old osteoporosis ass. Right. <laughs> you know your bones are soft. Why are you out here? Go drink some milk. <laughs> are you out here? Your bones are soft, dude. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so good. So um, Craig said uh that Eric Christensen was the one who told him Gwyneth Paltrow took out your buddy. And then Terry's lawyer um, is like, you know, make sure you're saying the right order of names here. And then Gwyneth Paltrow's lawyer like objects to that. And he says, let's make sure that Craig's the one testifying, not the lawyer. And then um, like my next note is just that when he's being cross-examined by Owens, Owens asks for clarification. Uh, what did Eric Christians say? And then Craig said, um, your buddy took out Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> so even that, like, he can't yeah. get right. Uh, I don't know if I, if I mentioned this before, but uh, Craig was also colorblind, and he said that he actually couldn't tell uh, Terry and Gwyneth apart. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. One's a short dude. And one's a tall lady. And one's a tall, and they're both white. Yeah. So I don't. What are you talking about? Uh, Owens asks him if uh, if he and Terry are friends on Facebook, and Craig says, "No, we're just acquaintances." <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. And uh, no, I might I might start using that's that hilarious. actually. That's that's yeah. great. And they oh. they go back and forth it's about people that. you may know. Mm-hmm. That's the acquaintances on Facebook. <laughs> they they uh they go back and forth about that, and then finally Craig is like, "Oh yeah, in that case, we're friends on Facebook." <clears throat> in his uh, deposition, which is like when they're talked to before right. the trial, Craig said that uh, Terry could talk to a wall for three and a half hours and have a good conversation. Well, wow. that's the kind of guy he was what kind of guy is that just Talker. likes to hear himself talk yeah yeah i hate those people yeah sorry um no you know it's you know there's a difference like yeah, yeah. there's your chatty friend and then there's that person that just won't shut the fuck up so before i like go any further i think maybe i should talk a little bit more about all the people involved and like what their character is like yes okay terry was actually an eye doctor uh-huh. and um just like has like a very like pretentious you know doctor vibe of like i'm right about everything uh-huh. and um okay and so his lawyers are like if you were like watching a movie and like you saw like lawyers of um 
the the people who are like suing the other people like it's very classic like behavior like there's very unlikable and like argumentative and like they just don't seem like very nice people Uh, uh you know what i mean i don't really know how to to explain that (laughs) but they're just like like they're like the um the bad guys and uh like the bad lawyers and like like law and order is that what you're saying they're the lawyers you don't like yeah 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 and then um like gwyneth paltrow i mean i think we all know who who she is and like what she's like (laughs) which like i think she's also pretentious Uh but it's in a better way because she's actually usually right and like reasonable no i i just think that she like carries herself better in, like in a way that's like uh-huh. more agreeable like she's she, not like argumentatively pretentious she also shoves rocks up her coochie. right that's what i'm saying she is actually like the worst she's definitely super weird no that's not what i said i said the worst i the know worst. what you said how much did that pussy candle go for i've been waiting seven i've it's been waiting like, to bring this up it's the whole like time white woman it's like boiling if you put in a pot all of the worst white lady traits that is the form it's like white woman demi-glass you know when you cook down the stock into a demi-glass right right right. concentrated just a essence of white woman the essence of white woman dude um she sucks i don't know everyone says that but honestly i think she's fine like i think she's totally likable and level-headed in her own weird world you know what i mean right no i I, yeah i get what you're saying i'm saying that Uh, didn't her she sold those uh vaginal steam kits that Uh like hurt people right yeah i mean that's not good I don't even give a fuck about that. I don't like it's just uh, profiting off of woo and Eastern medicine. I that's that shit I hate. That's that shit I hate. I can't. I cannot. Just selling people lies and steam. Like fuck mm. you, dude. And quartz, nice rose quartz yeah. can stick up your ass. Sure, 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 <laughs> you know? sure. Anyway. So anyway, her lawyers are really like nice and uh, Owens is like kind of dopey and like stumbles over his words a lot, mispronounces things a lot, um, loses his train of thought a lot. Um, But but, like he's still like he's like sweet and Uh likable. And then um, her other lawyer, James Egan, um, is just like the best one out of everyone involved because <laughs> like he's like the only normal reasonable well presented guy yeah in the entire case and he's also the youngest one <laughs> yeah but and he looks like superman nice yeah like with the dollop i, I know what you're talking about i believe yeah. so nice yeah love the dollop gotta love have it. the dollop gotta have it Yep. If I if I go uh, for a consultation with an attorney and he's got the dollop, I'm hiring that oh, man yeah, on the absolutely. spot. Absolutely, he's know? there for honor, truth, and justice. We'll uh, include in a link American to a picture way. of the dollop in the description. <laughs> also, um, okay, so Terry gets like choked up a lot, 
like when he's on the stand like <laughs> like he does this thing like you know like like anytime you mention something that's like could it could be a, an appropriate response to like he seems like he's going to cry interesting so he's like i don't like that manipulating mm-hmm. their emotion or like trying to manipulate <coughs> people's emotions do, do you feel sympathy when you see people cry it, de- it depends on, on the situation now. and the person yeah if it's a person who i know has a uh who who will habitually like fake cry yeah. or who am i suspect of fake crying yeah no but like if you were to come to me so i would be like yo there's a fuck i have never i can count on one hand the number of times i've seen you cry three yeah oh. <laughs> uh, like three and a half um yeah i was gonna say i think it's all you can tell when someone is genuinely crying yeah and when they're not so like mm-hmm. just the act of crying doesn't really yeah i feel like we as the humans are like very good at that yeah right? like you the nose gets all red yeah. and like the eyes get puffy we know what the but like i can't stand like a dabber like that annoys me oh, when the, people cry oh. yeah yeah stop just let it go dog it's i don't know it's bothering me yeah and also his two two of his daughters testify um he has three daughters and one of them doesn't i'll get into that more later uh, that says all you need it to know a, it doesn't it absolutely but his two daughters that do testify they also do that thing where they get choked up a lot like about any little thing um they just wanted to be in a room with gwyneth paltrow because when else are they going to be in a room with gwyneth paltrow <laughs> maybe they'll get some free like, goop they're like you know for several days you get to be in a room with gwyneth paltrow so. that's pepper pots dog I mean, I don't think that they they were. I think they were only in the room when they testified. But oh. There, there okay. was a I lot of that. Terry then. wasn't even in the room for most of the trial. Mm. He, he was only there when he testified, and I think for a little bit after. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but, well, and he said that he, he didn't want to be there when his daughters testified because um, he didn't, like, want to make them feel like they couldn't speak honestly. Because, like, they did say some bad things about him, but it was mm-hmm. mostly, like, to prove his case. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, oh, yeah, he's blind as fuck out of that eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that would have that would have been against his case because he was blind before the accident. Oh, he was, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. isn't, no. Oh. Yeah, you're right. That doesn't help his case. No, it doesn't. How and does when, he have a case? He doesn't. He doesn't. That's ludicrous. Everything is ludicrous. And uh, when when Gwyneth Paltrow testifies, like she's basically just like, "I'm telling you, this is what actually happened," and that's it. And like she's not like emotional about it at all. Like she's just like being honest. She's like, "This is what it is." Yeah, yeah. So like she's not really like trying to manipulate anyone. She's just like, "This is dumb, and I want to get out of here." <laughs> Uh, anyway, dude, I have so much to go through. I'm going to try to make it as quick as possible, and I'm really sorry. I don't like anybody in this story. Yeah. It's rough. hmm He sucks. She sucks. They suck. Yep. Yeah. All right, the next witness to the stand is Carlene Davidson, who is Terry's ex-girlfriend. Oh, shit. They were together before the accident for 18 months. All right, so she says uh, before the accident, 
he was very kind, loving, adventurous, and he always volunteered and, like, did events and stuff. And she said she had a hard time keeping up with him. She said she couldn't actually tell that he was blind in one eye. And he was not clumsy, and he was a good driver. And she said after the accident, when he came home, he looked like he had been hit by a truck. And she said, quote, he was a very sore Jose. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Damn, Gwyneth Paltrow. She said he was cranky and had no joy left in his life, and he Mm. pushed her away. He became aggravated, mean to her dog, easily frustrated. And she said he had always hid his medical conditions from her prior to the accident. So that being said, it is possible that he already had issues that she, she didn't know about. Um, yeah. That, okay, that's basically the end of her testimony. Um, and... For my end of day notes, um, before they leave, the judge tells Mr. Sykes, take care of that cough. And Mr. Sykes says, I'm trying to cut back to a pack a day. Damn. That's poignant. It's a joke. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of ciggies. Yeah. They make a a lot of silly jokes like that. Lawyers aren't actually very funny. No. Um, All right, day two, the first witness is Dr. Wendell Arlen Gibby. I didn't write anything other than you can tell he's definitely a nerd just by his name. What was it again? Wendell Arlen Gibby. Oh, yeah. 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 And then the next witness that day, um, actually the only other witness that day, uh, is Sam Goldstein, who's like a jewish doctor and you can tell also by his name that he's definitely a jew um wow <laughs> goldstein <laughs> is wow. that racist should i not say that i don't know no no it was blunt okay. that's mostly what it was uh at one point uh when they're i don't know they're talking about stuff and um and the lawyer says why is this important to you and Goldstein says, well, it's more important for you than it is to me. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dr. Goldstein's records uh, show that before the accident, he did have pre-existing conditions that weren't giving him problems. But after the accident, they started to. That doesn't make sense to me, though. Okay. So, you know you have pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. Why, then... Are you doing a thing that could potentially result in the exacerbation of those pre-existing conditions? Which is Case exactly, closed. That's exactly what he did, yeah. Like, why, why are we still here? Why is, why is it that complicated? It's not, but they, they take um, eight days to figure that out. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> all right, day three. Gwyneth's lawyer asks if it's all right if uh, her private security brings in treats for everyone. <laughs> God damn it, Gwyneth Paltrow. And this is what I'm talking about, though. That's the shit. That's also, that's hinky. That's like fishy. It's definitely white lady oh. shit. Um, yeah. And uh, Terry's counsel objects to this. They say if you wanted to do that, you should have asked us first. And Owen said, I just did. That's what I was doing right now. <laughs> I don't like it. 
that is slimy of a thing to do. I, like, thank come you. on now. Unless it's and also the case, the case is like open and shut, dog. So why are you even doing this? Yeah, I feel like you're hurting your own. You're making it seem like there's smoke when there's no when smoke. When there's no smoke, it's unnecessary. Yeah. Well, can I just say though that, like, I don't know if you guys have ever actually witnessed like a trial, and like I know I wasn't there, but I did watch all of the footage. And it's an event. It's like you are living your life for an entire, like, one or two weeks just with these people doing this thing. And so I don't necessarily think she was trying to, like, do anything, like, in yeah, her favor. I, guess it doesn't I think even, she was just trying to, like, add a little levity. I'm sure. But it, I guess it doesn't matter. My point is it doesn't matter what her intent was. Right. I'm sure it, her intent was that it was looks, innocuous. Dog. But, like, yeah. it looks not great. Right. You know? All right, so the first witness on day three, on day three, right? Yeah, is um, Alina Fong, and she's a neuropsychologist. Yeah, she said that Terry did, in fact, sustain a concussion from the accident. I believe her. Yeah. And she says the term mild traumatic brain injury does not mean that the symptoms are not severe, it means that the brain injury is not life threatening. They should probably call it something else right um, <laughs> medical terminology is dumb <laughs> yeah. um yeah they also had another argument that i didn't write down um like later in the trial it was like um like normal hydrocephalus or something like mm-hmm. that and like you know the word normal seems like it means like this is how the human brain would normally be but it, that's actually not what it means at all to have normal like so it's like a bad thing a bad when thing. it sounds like you're this is what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah that's dumb as shit i yeah. think it's by design she said that he did have depression before the accident she's annoyed Same. and she clearly doesn't have time for this she said i don't think you appreciate how busy i am <laughs> <laughs> i fucking i, I love Me, doctors sometimes <laughs> Because why the fuck am I here for this? Yeah, she should be out saving lives or some shit. Like, doing important right. research or something, you know? Yeah. Instead, she's got to deal with this fucking bullshit. Yeah, like, Terry's only one of her patients. and It wouldn't be fun to just, like, have to, like, argue about it with someone. Yeah. Like, she's saying, like, yes, this is how Terry's brain is. This is how he was injured. Right. At, like, I'm telling you. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, I could have wrote a statement. She's got, like, hot Asian lady stuff to do. And instead, she's stuck in this mm-hmm. court. Uh, Gwyneth's uh, lawyer tries to insinuate that the only information Alina has in regards to Terry's brain injuries is from speaking with Terry. And Alina's like, you want to criticize me, bitch? I spent more time with him than any of you guys. Did she really say that? <laughs> no. But that's like in not in not those words she did. Okay, so now Terry's daughter, Polly, is cross-examined by Sykes, Terry's lawyer. At one point, uh, Terry had a yoga instructor that he had been taking classes with before the accident. And then after the accident, she had asked Terry to stop coming to her classes because he was making her really uncomfortable. And it like he kept coming even after she asked him to stop. And so she called Polly, uh, Terry's daughter, and was like, hey, please tell your dad to stop coming. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, cause like he his personality changed. Like he was just like, oh, I see. Yeah, being a creepy. I mean, that shit happens. Now. Yeah. She also talks about how there was a time when they were like, like their grandparents had died, and this was like after the accident, and they were like cleaning out their house, 
and uh it was like her and her sister jenny and their dad and she said that like she had gone to a back room to meditate um (laughs) to like clear her head Uh and in that time she heard her dad yelling at jenny and like she said that like she didn't know what the issue was but she had never uh witnessed anything like that from him before Uh and this happened after the accident so now she's being cross-examined by owens and owens asks about uh jenny and um like it turns out that she was supposed to be at the trial but she didn't come even though people offered to pay for her to come and in her deposition uh she had basically said that her dad was always abusive to her uh-huh and so like there's definitely speculation as to like did her family ask her not to come to the trial like did she uh, you know uh-huh. like maybe she felt so uncomfortable like, like she didn't she didn't want to shit talk her dad in front of everybody yeah and i also find it interesting that the sister is like uh you know he just started yelling at my sister and he's never done that before and she's like, no, nah, he's kind of always been a dick yeah. to me. Yeah. I don't know if she just didn't want to come to the trial because, like, fuck them people. <laughs> fuck yeah. the people. That might be what it is. <laughs> but uh, Polly said that she has a mental illness. Gwyneth's uh, counsel, like, doesn't really want her to, like, go into that because, quote, they think that that's, like, inappropriate because she's not there to speak yes. for herself. Mm-hmm. Which I agree, but also, you know, they don't want her to talk about that because it kind of ruins their case of Jenny saying that he sucks. But you can't just do, can you? I mean, I guess you can just do that, but you can make up anything. You know what I mean? Like, if you talk, if you're talking about her mental health, like you can just say like, oh, she's paranoid. Because like, that could have absolutely nothing to do. And she's not there to be like that. That has nothing to do with right what the fuck i feel about my daddy like yeah you can't you can't just bring up somebody's mental health issues to call into question that you were an abusive dad (laughs) their whole life like what like the two things can be true right but that actually is what it is that jenny is a a schizophrenic oh damn (laughs) so you, you got that one owens asks if uh terry assaulted a guy because he believed that his wife cheated on him and uh polly's just like i don't know i wasn't there okay (laughs) Uh, owens says that terry was easy to anger before the accident and that's why he was seeing a therapist and polly says i don't recall uh not everyone goes to a therapist for their interpersonal difficulties do you agree like that's what owens saying and Polly says, uh, I agree, but the smart ones do. That's funny. Yeah, which is right. Owens asks Polly if their dad is anal retentive. <laughs> Polly says, I don't actually know what that word means. Owens says, well, it has nothing to do with our bottoms, right? And Polly says, well, it has the word anal in it. The next witness to the stand is Richard Bain. Um, I guess he's a neurologist. And... Um, he basically claims that there's no other way that Terry could have sustained his injuries other than if Gwyneth hit him. But, I mean, I think that that's an insane thing to say just because Gwyneth's uh, whole thing is, like, he comes in behind her, they're going downhill, 
and like there's like if you're sliding downhill you're gonna fall backwards so if he's behind her she would have fallen on him so he would have hit the ground and she would have fallen on him which would explain all of his injuries Uh but he's saying no this couldn't have happened any other way than if she hit him (laughs) which is like really dumb um (laughs) all right so trial day four the first witness to the stand is mark harris um oh i wrote he's actually not the first witness witness but i didn't have anything else to say before (laughs) um uh so mark harris is terry's daughter's husband's brother uh he used to be a storm chaser which is unrelated but i just thought that was cool nice yeah uh he said he used to be close to terry before the accident but not anymore he said hitting someone on a ski slope and running away from the scene of the accident is just like a hit and run he doesn't know the laws in utah which is where it happened but he knows that it's a serious offense and this upsets gwyneth's counsel um because it had already been uh ruled that they couldn't say in court that it was a hit and run because it wasn't Uh because what had happened was even though gwyneth paltrow like didn't like leave her own information for terry she was still there a few minutes later and eric christensen who the guy like that was there was working for her said that he would leave her information so it wasn't like Uh she just like hit him and left it was like they crashed and she just didn't fill out any paperwork she had someone else do it (laughs) uh mark says that terry is no longer enjoyable to be around because he's confused a lot and paranoid and anxious all right so are you thinking that like because something did happen to his brain this is what i've been thinking the whole time like i think to me i feel like dude like he's already said he doesn't remember uh, he probably just felt because like sometimes if you're skiing and you already got like osteoporosis in one eye and shit you might fall you know and he probably fucking hit his head and maybe gwyneth paltrow like slipped over him or something i don't know <laughs> but like clearly something happened something but it sounds like yeah i don't think gwyneth paltrow had anything to do with this i hate to say it yeah, sometimes you do f- just fall. Yeah. It's a fucked up shit happen because you fail. Like, yeah, because you're really, skiing. Yeah. And you're old. Stop and it. And you're old. Stop it. I was talking to mom about this. I feel like people should be euthanized at like 70. You know? No. Okay, 80. But shuffled into a home with soft padding. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's some strong, some some strong medication. Right. Take them out to the farm. Hell God. yeah. Um, I no, can't he, wait. He did actually hit her... That did actually happen. He actually hit her. So it's like, mm-hmm. damn. Yeah. But he hit her, not she hit him. Right. So, yeah, sometimes you just fall. Yeah, into Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. <laughs> and then you sue her. <laughs> All right, so the next witness to the stand is Shay Harris, which is uh, Terry's other daughter. Um, right off the bat, she cries about Ugh. how her boss just died why do you can't good congratulations wow jesse okay we're being a little bold um no fuck the capital owner um fuck middle management yeah i was gonna say uh i can understand crying because your boss died i can too but um it it's just like a common behavior between both her and polly like they just always be on the edge of tears Just emotional yeah yeah and terry (laughs) So that's why I think it's a manipulation tactic. She also cries about the fact that she has kids. What? Yeah. 
like because she was saying like well i had young children around this time and like she like tears up about it oh well that kind of makes sense i would cry too (laughs) (laughs) all right so they like they show a lot of things like on like a projector including emails um just like between like terry and his daughters and everything and uh she's uh she's like um you know when you guys put these things up on the projector everyone in the world then has our email so can you please white out our emails <laughs> which yeah they fair. definitely yeah that's fair they definitely should have done that yeah. from the beginning <laughs> um and then she tells a story about um, an interaction between her dad and her six-year-old daughter after the accident where her daughter is like getting in her van and Terry's trying to shut like the slidey door uh-huh. um, but it's not like in automatic like it's like locked and like the daughter's trying to explain to Terry like you have to wait for my mom to like push the button uh-huh. uh, for it to work and Terry just like yells at her and he's like, I'm the adult here. I know what I'm doing. And he like just like tries with all of his might to like close the door that's like locked in place. What a based moment. Have you ever seen an angry adult who's condescended at you? Like It's literally that sketch from oh, I Think so You good. Should Leave where he's leaving the job interview and he tries to push or he tries to pull the push door. Yeah, and he just forces <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. That's so good. So, and, like, she said that after that interaction, um, her her six-year-old daughter, like, does not like him at all. Yeah, no, of course not. I, I just want to say, like, I feel like he already, like, he already was this person. Yes. Yeah. But his brain injuries... <clears throat> just turned ex- it up like, to 11. Exas- ...exacerbated it uh-huh. to where, like, now he just doesn't have any impulse control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Owens asks her uh, this really stupid question. Uh, he says... Are you saying that everything about your dad's personality was good before the accident and everything about his personality was bad after the accident? And she was like, um, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. What an insane thing to to draw from this. Who the fuck is asking these questions? That's not what we're determining here. It just hasn't changed. Has it like, is it different? Yeah. And he asks her um, if she's staying with her dad, like, during the trial. And um, she makes a joke about how um, he's running an Airbnb. And it, like, doesn't come across as a joke. It Uh just sounds like he's actually running an Airbnb. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, he asks, how many years ago did you live with him? And this is, like, a 50-year-old woman. Uh, He asks about her response to the accident, um, like, from an email that they sent. Uh, where she says, I'm glad you're okay. And um, she's like, what? Like, he's like, well, if you said you're glad he's okay, then he was okay. And she was like, no, I was saying I'm glad you're alive, but like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm happy you didn't die, dad. <laughs> he asks about like her deposition. If she said that $3 million seems like a lot, she said, I don't remember saying that, but if you say that it's in my deposition, then I trust you. And he says, he says, oh, thank you. I accept your trust. <laughs> and she also talks about how when she was, when he, uh, when she was younger, uh, Terry would drive while reading a book Ugh. all the time. Ugh. 
which is an insane thing to mm. do for any kind of person. Dude, I, uh, my ex's mom used to like read mail while driving. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Yeah. How chaotic is your life? Yeah. Like, mail's not that hard to read. You just take it out of the mailbox and right. look at it. Right. You could, wait, because, like, any they, other time. Because it, it was this really small town and they had, like, a P.O. box instead of, like, like everybody at the town had a P.O. box. She would go pick up the damn mail and then we'd be, like, on our way to the store and then she would just read the mail. And it's like, we, we could have just sat at the post office for or you to wait go Wait until you one or the other. That's yeah, crazy. Dog, what are you doing? I hate yeah. these people. I hate, would, the, it, I hate all of these people so much. So um, during, like, I guess, like, while Shay was emailing with her dad, I guess, like, he had mentioned, like, that there was GoPro footage of the accident. Uh-huh. And um, so, like, they ask her about that. And she, like, because she had said, like, oh, I'm so glad there's a GoPro. But, like, in evidence, like, nowhere was there. Is there GoPro footage? footage. Whose GoPro was it? I don't know. But, like, that's just, like, kind of what it was, was, like, the email was kind of confusing about that. So, like, he didn't necessarily say, like, oh, I have a video of this. It was more just like, I think there's a video of this. This is hinky as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But if there was GoPro footage and it wasn't entered into evidence. That would be criminal, right? It's, well, no, but it's, it would just mean that it didn't show anything in his favor. Uh So now, uh, finally, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow takes the stand. Oh, God. And she is cross-examined by Kristen. She basically asks her if she knew, like, the rules of skiing and, like, not to leave the scene of an accident without leaving her information. And Gwyneth is like, I mean, Eric left my information for me and I didn't leave right away. And they just, like, go back and forth about this forever. She's like, so because your kids were there, you weren't engaged in any risky behavior? (coughs) And uh, Gwyneth is just like, I mean, I don't really engage in risky behavior whether or not my kids are around. She's fucking yeah, what does that have Paltrow? to do with anything? It, I don't know. It's like she, I don't know. She's just like grasping at straws. And uh, Do you think she's like doing heroin? Like, right. Yeah, like what are you talking? I'm on a ski trip. Nobody just engages in... And what do you mean by risky behaviors? What I are we talking about? I think like skiing unsafely. Unsafely? Yeah. Oh, good grief. Okay. And and Kristen kind of tells on herself because uh, she's like, well, I know that when my kids were young, I would definitely behave differently in front of them. And Gwyneth Paltrow was just like, okay, well, that's you. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, because also, like, yes, when my kids are present, I do behave differently when my kids aren't present i do behave differently but that's because like their kid that goes without saying yeah they're kids why would i be behaving my full adult self around children she asks gwyneth paltrow to step down off the stand to reenact the crash uh quote to get a good feel (laughs) (laughs) and obviously gwyneth paltrow's counsel objects to this unfortunately because that would have been great to watch Mm. and then they have to like go to the bench to talk to the judge Uh about it 
And then after they break, Kristen brings it up again. Uh, and she's like, well, your counsel didn't want for you to have to come down here. And then Gwyneth's counsel is like, no, like, don't say what we want. It's what the judge decided. Right. right. <laughs> and then she's like, or Owens is like, if you want, um, Bob can help you out. And like Bob is one of Terry's counsel, uh, Bob Sykes. And then mm-hmm. Bob kind of yells and he's like, why don't you have him do it? <laughs> and then the judge is basically just like, you know, Kristen, if you want to like move around the courtroom, if it'll help you out, you can do that. But no one else has to be involved. Yeah. In <laughs> you can't just volunteer people for your weird ass bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> basically how Gwyneth says that the accident happened, um, like she's just skiing along. And then all of a sudden um she feels like a man like pressed up against the, horrifying her back horrifying and um and she like sees like two skis go in between no, her horrifying skis. it's so gross dude and he's like making little grunting noises nope no and so like for- and he's old uh no yeah no with those jelly bones too oh my god and she said, like, for for a second there, like, I wasn't sure what was going on. She was thinking, like, am I being sexually assaulted yeah. while I'm skiing? Um, I feel sexually assaulted listening to what she experienced. Yeah. And then she said that, like, uh, they caught an edge and then they fell over. And then she, like, got up and then, like, she yelled at him. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Because what the her. fuck were you doing? Because <laughs> yeah. did you not see me? You right. know what I mean? No, he didn't because he's blind in one eye. Because he's blind. Yeah. <laughs> you should never be that close. To, like, that shouldn't be happening, dog. That's so gross. It is gross. Ugh. But Ew. because she had such a, a clear account of what actually happened, mm-hmm. like, obviously hers is the one. The yeah, one this is yeah. an open and shut case. <laughs> yeah. Why are we here? <clears throat> yeah. They shouldn't have been. They shouldn't have been. No. Oh. Um, so Kristen asks if Gwyneth asked Terry if he was hurt. And Gwyneth says, I'm sorry, what was your name? <laughs> and then did, she did, didn't she do that to someone on the set of The Avengers? It was, uh, I want to say it was the kid who played Spider-Man or oh, something. Probably Tom Holland. That's funny. <laughs> And, uh, and then she just, like, explains that, like, when you're the victim in an accident, you're not necessarily thinking right away, like, oh, you know, are you okay? Yeah. Like, she was just mad. <laughs> uh, Kristen asks if Gwyneth Paltrow is suing for $1 because that's what Taylor Swift did mm-hmm. in her sexual assault case. And Gwyneth is basically like, well, I didn't actually know about that like until after like the proceedings of this trial when someone else told me about that taylor swift also did not invent the concept of counter suing for one dollar that's like a thing right and uh and Kristen is like but aren't you good friends with taylor swift and gwyneth is like no i wouldn't say we're really good friends like we're what is what's happening right what is this 
And then Kristen's like, but didn't you buy her a Christmas present? What does that have to do with what we're doing right now? I feel like this is just like they know they have Gwyneth Paltrow hostage for a little bit. So now they just need to find out the lifestyle of the rich and the famous. What did you get her for Christmas? Exactly. Um, I bet it was a candle. And uh, and Owens objects and he's like, I mean, ask her about Oprah. What's going on with you? Because what is happening? Wait, so, but did did she talk about Oprah? No. Son of a bitch. Um, But yeah, so that's all that I wrote down for that part of it. Um, And so now she uh, is cross-examined by her own lawyer, Owens. At one point, he tries to say the word uh, anonymity, but he can't. That's a tough one to say. Anonymity. But it's it's cute, though, to see a lawyer try to say it. Um, all right, so moving on to day five, um, Owens, uh, says that, um, there have been cameras pointed directly at Gwyneth Paltrow, like, when she was just, like, sitting in the court, like, not when she was on the stand, Uh and, like, they were, like, following her, like, in and out of the courtroom, and he's like, can we please not have this be happening anymore and the judge is basically like yeah that's definitely inappropriate and like that you know we'll be Uh sure not to let that happen anymore but throughout the rest of the trial it just continues to happen of course yeah yeah i mean nothing is resolved what do we expect people to really do you know what else do we really want from this situation Uh, other than to look at gwyneth paltrow gwyneth paltrow yeah even though she's not like really saying or doing and it's also like that's the that's the only reason this nigga is suing is because of the spectacle and it's gwyneth paltrow yeah you know as fucked up as this is gonna sound that's the reason why gwyneth paltrow exists is to kind of be looked at the spectacle yeah Yeah. like that's what gwyneth paltrow is 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 the main character in this situation a person outside of the trial found new evidence like they I, i think they like hacked one of the emails because they had like been showing the email Uh addresses and it was admissible in court interesting that's wild that that is admissible in court but okay but basically all that it was was just like a conversation between craig ramon terry and some guy named scott where they were just like it's always some motherfucker named scott yeah they were just like bullshit talking about what happened Uh so craig ramon has to take the stand again to talk about all of this uh basically like in the messages he talks a lot about uh gwyneth paltrow and like like the hotel that she was staying at during the time of the accident and like um uh like what airport she was coming in and out of like they like they were basically just like why do you why did you know this? why did you know that yeah that's so creepy yeah like that's basically all that happened <laughs> with that okay <laughs> sorry i really hate like this like fetishization of yeah, like celebrity man. it's really gross all right so finally terry is cross-examined um and in his uh version of what happened he said that he heard a blood curdling scream as if someone were skiing out of control wow. please <laughs> shut up 
and then he got hit in the back. That's so funny. I'm sorry. I have to. I just we just rewatched the original House on Haunted Hill starring Vincent Price, uh-huh. and like the lead female, like the lead actress. Well, uh-huh. I guess she's a supporting actress, but like ninety percent of, of her, her lines are just her seeing her something and going. Ah! And running out of the room, and yeah. it's the funniest shit. Like if you get a chance, rewatch. Yeah, absolutely. The original House on Haunted Hill. I love the screamer. It's the second Indiana Jones movie. No, is it the second one? Uh, there's a lady who's most of what she does is it's just running and screaming, running and screaming. I love that. I wish I could bag that role. Sorry, Stacey. I can do it. Okay. Um. <laughs> so he basically uh, claims that he remembers everything that happened but he also claims that he was unconscious for several minutes and he's just like going through like all of the thoughts that he was having and everything that he was hearing around him while he was unconscious yeah does he know what unconscious means no okay (laughs) i don't know what what does unconscious mean? but basically he like contradicts himself by claiming he was unconscious for several minutes and then also claiming that Eric Christensen was yelling at him and that like Eric Christensen like yanked him up and just like all this stuff and he says that like uh that no one wanted to help him they they yelled at him and then just like left him there to his own devices that Uh the only person that was there to help him was Craig Ramone Uh but that's just not at all what happened like because eric christensen was there he got him up he eric christensen said that he um he couldn't have just like jerked him up off the ground because eric christensen is actually like an elderly fellow he he was like i would have broken my back he was like i think i just like lended him a hand and he got up and eric christensen also had said that like there was more ski patrol that came by because there had been an accident to check on him uh-huh. and at that point he said that he was okay <laughs> so he he signed off on himself then yeah. and there right like that's yeah. it yeah case is done the case that should have been done wait go ahead well i was gonna say uh well maybe not with like brain injury mm, that's fair but he also said he had three broken ribs and that i feel like you would know directly afterwards mm. oh for sure all right so now he's being cross-examined by his own attorney which i think is uh bueller oh he uh he writes an email to his daughters about um the girl that actually did help him because a little while later uh, like when he's he's trying to still ski down the mountain with um with craig like craig's helping him out and then he realizes, like, oh, I'm actually really hurt. I do need help. And so then they call, like, for more Ski Patrol. So there's this girl, Whitney, who works for Ski Patrol, who comes to help him. And she, like, uh, is, like, asking him, like, all of these questions. Like, doing, like, a brain test on him kind of thing. Sure. And it just, like, really helps him out. And so he, like, writes, like, an email to his daughters later, like, with a picture of Whitney. And, uh... Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's just, like, part of it. (laughs) If I were going to have somebody, like, if I were going to have an injury on a ski slope, I would want to be rescued by somebody named Whitney, I think. That seems like a good... 
Oh, dude, she was so sweet. Uh, is she, yeah, it sounds like a sweet person. The name yeah. of a sweet person. You no, know? She was actually at the trial. Like Really? Yeah, she she's one of the witnesses. She, yeah. Yeah, I love a Whitney. She was, you know? she was yeah, she was very like nice and normal and um he said that after the accident he was basically a vegetable. Uh he had a big orange chair that he would sit in and nap for 12 hours a day. Why are you complaining, dog? Um he's asked uh have you had any anger issues? He said I have a much wider range of temperament than I had before. Okay, so like before the accident, like, he would, like, travel a lot and, like, do all kinds of events and stuff. And so his lawyer asked, do you still do those th- same things after the accident? Like, he's like, I still travel, but I need someone to come along. I misspell things, and my foot wants to do its own thing. He said he had had a, a trip planned with his yoga instructor. And she said, I don't want to go. I don't like you anymore. Um, that is wild that she agreed at all to go on a trip with him. I mean, on a trip it, with him. It's pretty transparent as to what's going on there. I mean, like, uh, this sixty-seven-year-old man is just busting down yoga instructors. Yeah, he's got money. Clearly, that's why I don't like anything because they're all just—they all have money. He's got money. Right. She has money. Why? Why do you have to have each other's money? Or why does he want Gwyneth Paltrow's money? He clearly has his own money. All right, so now he's being cross-examined by Gwyneth Paltrow's lawyer. The lawyer asks um, if he was 175 pounds and 5'8 during the time of the accident. And he said, I just found that out. (laughs) What? I don't know. So he had changed the amount of time that he was unconscious a few times. It, like, ranged between, like, a few seconds to two minutes to ten minutes. God damn. Like, yeah, these were things that he had said at different times. And I guess Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, attorney um, says that... Terry said that he exaggerated so that his doctors would take it more seriously. Why would you tell on yourself like that? Right. He said that he wasn't there for part of the trial because he doesn't take criticism well. (laughs) (laughs) just the audacity of like i'm not gonna show up to this like trial that i initiated because i don't take (laughs) criticism well (laughs) what the fuck bro yeah he uh he definitely traveled a lot after the crash like there was like a whole list of places that he had been so the only way his life really changed was that everyone thinks he's a dick now Mm. Mm mm-hmm it yeah. sounds like everybody just kind of started to see him for what he was, uh-huh. Which and was it just dick. so happened to coincide with this accident that he yeah. probably <laughs> caused. I think what had happened is he damaged his frontal lobe, and it... Um, yeah, that's true. We, the neuroscientist, the neuropsychologist did say there was like a change, right? Yeah, there definitely was. Like, he definitely was injured in this ski crash, for sure. But, but I think that, like, the real issue is that it made him more like himself yeah and he didn't have any more impulse control right he said that his doctor told him that if he had another ski accident he could end up in a nursing home so he shouldn't ski so he went out and tried to ski again several more times this is what we could do it so funny i have to to remove myself (laughs) he says like while he's um testifying that he's getting an adrenaline rush and the lawyer asks, is this something you enjoy? And he's like, no, it's not the good kind. <laughs> it's because I'm lying, and I know. Right. Yeah. 
making me root for Gwyneth Paltrow is what I what I cannot stand about this. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying is like she's the good one in all of this. But it's because these are such terrible people. <laughs> um but yeah, he's very like long-winded and like tells a story pretty much anytime he's asked a question. Um the the lawyer asks him um how tall he is but he says how high are you i mean how tall are you <laughs> i wrote his own lawyer doesn't even seem to like him <laughs> uh and he's like asking him questions that seem to incriminate him more <clears throat> now eric christensen testifies these are new notes so it should be easier for me to read yeah i wrote i totally pictured a handsome young man um but he was an old dude he is an art teacher as well as a ski instructor. I bet he was hot back in the day. Probably. Oh, Owens um, is like yeah, cross-examining him, and he mentions Gwyneth Paltrow, but he said uh, Miss Paltrow, like pal, like a pal, and he put his arm out. <laughs> he uh, Christensen said that Terry was making large radius turns. And he said that both large radius turns and short radius turns are okay, but if you're doing large radius turns, you have to be really aware of your surroundings, which sure. he apparently was not. So yeah, basically Eric's uh, testimony of like the accident, like he only saw the aftermath of it. Uh, Terry was on the ground, and uh, Gwyneth was on top of him, and their their heads were pointed like more towards the top of the mountain rather than the bottom of the mountain. I see, which would suggest. Uh-huh. that terry came behind and they slid and uh terry had also said to eric during the time of the accident uh quote she just appeared in front of me so yeah eric says that terry sa- told him that he was okay and actually like refused help from both him and the other ski patrol while he was there oh one of uh, terry's lawyers tries to object to Eric Christensen's entire uh, testimony, uh, basically saying that it was just his opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to say another thing about how um, Terry and Craig, like, they claim to be, um, like, advanced skiers, and Gwyneth Paltrow claims to be an intermediate skier. And I just feel like the type of personality that, like, Craig and Terry are is, like, they want everyone to think that they're so great at everything. For sure. Oh, Eric said, okay, so uh, Terry was, like, claiming that uh, Eric yelled at him. And Eric said, no, I can't yell. If I try to be very loud at all, I'll actually lose my voice. Which actually makes sense for this guy. Because if you hear him talk, he's, like, extremely soft-spoken and has, like, kind Uh of a raspy voice. So I could definitely believe that he's not someone <laughs> who could yell. And then um, Bueller, uh, Terry's lawyer, uh, asks him, um, but like if you're uh, like instructing like other skiers, don't you have to like yell at them? He's like, what if one of the skiers like goes down the hill in front of you too far? Don't you have to yell at them and tell them to come back up the hill? And Eric says, well, you can't come back up the hill. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I would just have to just go down to where they're at and go from there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what What am I going to say that's going to 
stop this from happening. Yeah. <laughs> They're already going. I don't think that man understands skiing. <laughs> no. No. And, um, but, like, Bueller, like, he keeps pressing and, like, trying to, like, get him to admit that at some point in his life he does yell and <laughs> at some point in your life, so you crazy. have raised your voice correct <laughs> gotcha and eric says um i think this is getting a little bit silly <laughs> yeah um is this when the trial starts to get silly like is this the i mean it just already the was. tipping point you know there's a progression though there is it like definitely escalates when I think this can't get any more of like Silly. any more ridiculous, yeah. you know, it does. Um, Eric, uh, ta- like he talks about how like the ski patrol stopped to see if Terry was okay. And uh, Bueller asks if there's a record of this. And Eric is like, no, because if a skier says that they're okay and the patrol moves on, they don't there's no keep need a, to record make a record of yeah. that. Yeah. And what a then, job though. Ski I'm, patrol. I, imagine the world in which they did yeah were they yeah, every were they, time they, they every time a person? someone's like no nah, i'm good you have to write that down yeah you just ask somebody how they're doing just like as a polite hey yeah. how you doing <laughs> write in the books you know what it you know, that's our protocol um i wrote more about that but it's basically they just go back and forth on that a lot <laughs> uh all right the next witness to the stand is whitney smith um and she said, like, she met Terry further down the hill after the original accident. Um, so, like, that definitely supports that Terry had said that he was okay before to the yeah. original ski patrol. Sure. Um, okay, I wrote, <laughs> she's being cross-examined by Gwyneth Paltrow's more competent lawyer. <laughs> um, and I said, I don't know his name. But then I learned later that it was James Egan. <laughs> Oh, he uh, he's asking her about the report that she made that day, but he calls it a rapport. <laughs> uh, in her report, she refers to Craig Ramon as Terry's large male friend because at the time um, she didn't know his actual name. But then while they're like discussing the, the report during the trial, um, she's like, can I actually just call him Craig from now on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she said that his uh, rib injury was actually the main issue and like all of the monitoring that she did for a concussion uh, like she said like there didn't really seem to be any sign of like him having a concussion she said like he wasn't like dazed and confused he wasn't dizzy he didn't have a headache like anything like that and like she did like a brain test where she like told him to remember a bunch of things and um and then like later he remembered everything she said Uh yeah so i found that interesting yeah yeah oh bueller asks her why she didn't follow the lead when uh craig said that gwyneth paltrow was the one that hit terry and she said when once someone leaves the scene of an accident it's not my job to go track them down and that would be pretty impossible yeah (laughs) yeah all right, the next witness is Stephen Grath, who is the ski patrol manager that was working at the ski lodge that day. Okay, so Mr. Sykes, like, yells at him, um, like, asking him, like, how is it possible that at the site of the collision, no one, like, noticed that 
Terry was disoriented, and then five to seven minutes later, um, he claimed that he was disoriented. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. Uh, and Stephen said, I never said anything about that. <laughs> I don't know. That's just what the reports say. That's just what happened. Uh, Sykes asks him if it's reasonable that a man who has four broken ribs would tell someone that they're okay. And Stephen said, yes, that is reasonable. I see that happen all the time. He says uh, when people are in an accident, they want to be okay. And so they say that they're okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, now we're on day six and uh, Grath is called to the stand again. Um, let's see. Oh, he asks, uh, did it bother you that Eric Christensen falsified his report to cover up wrongdoing on the part of Gwyneth Paltrow? And Stephen said, there's no cover up. It's not falsified. This was just his report of what happened. And um, the Mr. Sykes is like, okay, no further questions. Wow. Because <laughs> did you think you were going to get somewhere with that one? I mean... He tried. He tried his. He tried his darndest. <laughs> I guess he did. Like I said, these lawyers are really grasping at straws. Not good at their jobs. No, it's rough. Because they know that they don't have a case. I feel like you could probably craft one, but they have done a horrible yeah, job. At exactly. This. Yeah. All right. The next witness is Irving Schur, who um, he's like the first. I mean, I guess aside from Alina, but he's like the first like guy who's not like involved in the case but he's like a like on the side like expert um that i actually really like and respect mm -hmm. he's super cool he's a biomechanical engineer and he also happens to be the president of uh, snow safety sport or snow sports safety for the entire entire world okay <laughs> okay yeah for the world i mean for the u.s oh but... i was like for the that seems like a daunting task but he said that it's like uh like the snow sports safety isn't any different in other countries like he basically like, yeah um okay i'm not gonna read all of this i'm just gonna tell you what happened here so um he basically just explains um how like the skis are um, made so that they'll um like eject if like need be so like your boots will come out if like they're at a weird angle and since that didn't happen, like whatever Terry says in his report, like it doesn't, it wouldn't make sense for uh, for Gwyneth to have been like the one behind him, because in his um, in his story, what would have had to happen is if Terry was like fell down face forward and Gwyneth was behind him, her skis, at least one of her skis, like would have gotten caught underneath him. Mm -hmm. and her long boys would have gotten caught up in his long boys. Exactly. And, and then so that her legs wouldn't break, the ski would have ejected. Because that's like what it's built for. Uh -huh. Sure. And because both of their skis were fully intact, it basically means that that, that would have been an impossible scenario. Right. Right. Um, and he says that Dr. Bain, um, do you remember like from before, he's the guy who said that um, the only way that this accident could have happened is if Gwyneth hit Terry. He basically was like, no, Dr. Bain did all of his math wrong. So wow. he's just wrong entirely. Um, so that's basically who that guy was. 
um and at one point like he he's like drawing like on a board like a whiteboard like showing all of his calculations and everything and at one point um the the judge uh like he's like, I think this might be a good time for you to draw some more pictures. That's <laughs> 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 really funny. All right. Um, uh, since Bueller can't seem to get his way with Doctor Schur's testimony, uh, he again strikes to, um, uh, or he moves to strike all of his testimony, which of course is overturned. Uh, for days seven through eight, tensions are high, morale is low, and Terry's counsel keeps trying to cock block all of Gwyneth Paltrow's witnesses. So basically, like, they they object to, like, everything uh, uh-huh. that they possibly can so that the witnesses can't yeah. give any information. Uh, Dr. Bain takes the stand again, and... Um, he says that in um, insurers math, he didn't calculate whether or not it was a free fall and that um, because it wasn't a free fall, that that means that Gwyneth would have had to land on Terry. Um, but in, in Terry's um, story of what happened, he is claiming that it's a free fall because he says that Gwyneth hit him and he like flew a little bit uh-huh. and then landed. So basically, Dr. Bain is contradicting Terry's Story. testimony, yeah. even though Dr. Bain is supposed to be Terry's witness. Uh-huh. So that's really silly. Um, <laughs> he asks Dr. Bain if he is like familiar with the bio... Uh, mechanics of skiing and dr bain says no he's not at all familiar with snow sports wow (laughs) so all right now we're finally at closing arguments uh mr sykes on behalf of terry claims that because craig ramon doesn't know terry very well that he has no dog in the fight but uh, I wrote, Craig Ramon strikes me as a guy who just likes to stick his nose in other people's business. Oh. So, therefore, he could have a bias. Yeah. Also, he's just like some lonely weirdo who has a group chat for hangouts. Yeah. Um, and this guy was his buddy. So, were you anti-group chat for hangouts now? No, I'm just saying it is a particular type of person. Not like us, because we're cool, but mm. like it is a particular mm. type of person that's sure. involved in one Sad of those. Sad and lonely. Right. Exactly. He, he claims that since Terry was the one who was injured, that proves that he was not at fault. Um. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. You know how if you uh, drive your car into a tree because you got hurt, it's not your it fault? It is not your fault. Yeah. It is that yeah. tree's fault. What was that tree? In doing? this case, the tree's name is Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> he says uh, Terry is a worse person and people don't like him anymore. <laughs> Terry's a real piece of shit now. <laughs> Terry's a real fucking egg-sucking <laughs> son of a bitch now. That's so funny. Um, and because of that, it's... Gwyneth Paltrow's fault. Uh, and he tries to appeal to the jury by saying that um, Terry, the real Terry, never came home off of that mountain. So it's please so help him come home. 
How is the money going to help him come home? It's not. It's not going to do anything okay. other than he'll have more money. Then he already has. Then he already has, which is plenty. Because he look, can go skiing the same place Gwyneth Paltrow goes skiing. the same place like Gwyneth skiing. Paltrow and yeah, he's taking your yoga instructor out on fucking trips and shit. Come on now. And then he, he talks about how um, this guy taught him how to milk a cow by hand. And he said it was very hard for him to do being a country boy. And then he said, I grew up in the city. <laughs> okay. So it didn't make any sense. Um, uh, and like the whole point of the cow milking thing was the guy had special equipment that was more efficient to help milk the cows. And he basically says like Terry doesn't have his, his fancy equipment anymore. What? And he can't milk any cows. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in Owen's closing arguments, he says, of course, you can feel bad for Terry, but that doesn't mean that that's Gwyneth Paltrow's fault. Yeah. Um, he said, in fact, he's the one who hit her and he ruined her day. And now he wants $3 million for it. And that's not okay. It would have been easier for Gwyneth Paltrow to write him a check, but that would have been wrong. And that's why she's here. At one point, he stumbles over his words, and he says, Miss Paltrow is asking for her dollar, daughter, dollar. (laughs) Which is funny, because he said it right the first time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He says, skiing is a beautiful but dangerous sport. And Sykes interrupts him uh, with an objection, because they didn't discuss that he was going to say that. That's so funny. He says Craig Ramon is a bad witness because he's colorblind and he was far away uh, and he 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 was behind Terry at the time of the accident. But in his testimony, he said that he heard a scream and he turned to look to see what it was. <laughs> and that doesn't make any sense that if he was it. behind them and they yeah. were in front of him. Yeah. If he had been hit the way that he claims that he was, his skis would have come right off. And he said your skis don't stay on when you've been blown (laughs) so true (laughs) he uh, he struggles with the word anonymity again it's a rough Uh, word yeah Uh, he shows five animations uh and terry's counsel objects to him showing the last two because they said that they only approved three of them and the judge is like, well, there were three full animations, but then two partials. But then after um, he plays the, the second two animations, he says, um, oh, well, I guess the other ones before were probably a lot more powerful. <laughs> I really want to see these animations because like what I'm picturing, do you remember Line Rider on Newgrounds? Yes. That's exactly what yeah. I'm picturing in my head. Uh, he brings up the fact that Craig Ramon said that Terry was out for two minutes and he says, can you imagine looking at someone being knocked out for two minutes and not calling an, I don't know, 911? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two minutes is a long time. It really That's is. a really long time. And you're just like, Terry! Yeah. Terry! <laughs> come on! Terry! Come on, you blind <laughs> son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the cameras in the courtroom, uh, like, they show both... Uh, Terry and Gwyneth Paltrow like while Owens is doing his uh, final arguments and uh, Terry has like a smug smile on his face mm-hmm. when he's listening to Owens and like I think that it's because Owens like has a hard time speaking and like stumbles over his words a lot 
And so I think that Terry thinks that that means that he's going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just not what happened. <laughs> Delusional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they had 10 jurors, but only eight were allowed to deliberate. And I just think that I would be so pissed if I were one of the two jurors, you yeah. had to sit through all of that bullshit. And then your and, opinion and then doesn't even matter. Your opinion does not matter. Yeah. 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 So that was shitty. <laughs> so the verdict was that Gwyneth Paltrow was found not liable and not at fault for the injuries caused to Terry. And Terry was found liable and at fault for the damages caused to Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> and he had to give her a dollar. I mean, that's good, I guess. And uh, when the verdict was read, um, Terry looked super defeated and like he was about to cry. And Good. Gwyneth Paltrow also looked like she was about to cry, but in like a like a relieved kind of mm-hmm. a way. <laughs> like, finally, this bullshit is over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And while the verdict was being read, there was a guy in the courtroom who was just going, yes. <laughs> he was really he was really pulling for gwyneth there yeah i think That's we cute. all were i think everyone now because the alternative is just too bad it's like take her down but not this way yeah. not you and uh gwyneth paltrow was the the first person to leave the courtroom and uh as as she left she leaned over terry and said i wish you well she didn't have to say shit to him well no, that was a slight. That was a little jab. Yeah, that was a little. Was yeah, a, you're being a dick, dude. Bop. You are. You won the trial. Yeah, bitch. like you ain't gonna rub it. You ain't gonna rub it in. You ain't gotta do nothing. You just leave. Do you guys I, have any questions? I hate Comments? that. I don't have any questions. I just hate everyone involved. It's such a waste of everybody's time. Yeah, including um, mine. But yeah, mostly Stacy's. I yeah. feel like Stacy's the biz- biggest victim. Nobody made Stacy watch eighty hours. No, of fucking- I feel like Stacy might be able to sue Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> here and have a better case than fucking Terry did. That's true. That Dude, is true. I I learned so much about the legal system. I learned a lot about how skis work. Yeah, I did not know they just automatically inject you upon and or eject smart. you upon and they're impact. Smart for yeah, that. that is really smart. It is yeah. smart. Yeah, it's I bet better that's to terrifying. Lose your like, skis than to have your ankles broken. Yeah, sure. could you imagine though? You hit like something just the wrong way, and you're just shot out of your skis. <laughs> you're going <laughs> down. I, I, I want to know how many ankle breakings occurred before they decided. Oh, to do yeah, they were no. like, oh, for we need sure. an inject ejector yeah. button. Well, that was that's what Doctor Schur's job was to make sure that. But I'm saying, like, from the invention of skis, that saved so many crushed ankles. Yeah, you know, like how many ankles were mangled? A lot. Probably a lot. It's probably a real problem. I think that's how uh, Roosevelt ended up in the wheelchair, right? Because he was skiing and got his ankles. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Dude, that would be super rough, man. That's how Sonny Bono died. Uh, Really. (laughs) I mean, he died skiing. He didn't die from broken oh. ankles, though. But I don't know. It's just like a dumb you joke. ever fall down on some skates, and it's like the worst experience yeah, of your fucking life. Because also, how do you get back up? You know, that's tricky. Oh, it, it's embarrassing. It's like I already it's just hell. Fell. Now I'm scooting and sliding mm-hmm. all over this damn floor. And now you got to do it downhill, uh-huh. and it's, your butt's cold. Uh-huh. This is terrible. Skiing's yeah. an awful sport. Why would anybody do that? I went skiing once. It was fun. That sounds terrible. It's in, it's uh, invigorating. I'll go, I'll go water skiing. It's like it's like chewing five gum. You no, know? that's terrible. I I would go water skiing. That sounds like fun. 
I'll never watch uh, Iron Man the same, I don't think. I'll never watch Iron Man again. <laughs> so, who the fuck has revisited that shit? Was she in that movie? Yeah, yeah. She, she plays Pepper Potts. I just want to say, I know like a lot of people like to shit on Gwyneth Paltrow, and like she's definitely made some weird choices, but I think she's pretty great. I, I loved her in Shallow Hell, and I also loved her on Glee. I think she's she awesome. Shallow Hell is a movie. I think that me liking Gwyneth Paltrow's acting is the thing that really pisses me off more that she's such an insufferable human She being. is a huckster and she's a snake oil salesperson. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, I, Other I than feel, that, feel though, like, have you guys, like listen to her talk? Like just in the yes, that's work. Yeah, what? yeah, that makes it. She worse. had a show, and it was awful. She had a show. Yeah, yes. and it was just her selling her snake oil. Yeah, and like and visiting like tantric sex people and being all okay. All right, I mean well, that sounds based. awful. That sounds awful. But I mean, like, have you just heard her like talking to like like on like a podcast? Hey, have you guys Absolutely, ever- I've never listened to. Absolutely not. Well, she sounds like a totally nice, normal, reasonable human being. When she's uh, yeah, that's how she's so, that's kind you of her superpower, shove, right? Shove rocks in your hua to get rid of the syphilis. I don't know. I, you know what? There's two kinds of people in the world: people who are all right with Gwyneth Paltrow and people who aren't. And so. people who are blind. I'm not blind. I just don't hate her. Would you stick a rose quartz up your hua? No. I'm not going to buy any of her products. I, I don't necessarily say would, I support any of her products. I would buy I just don't I don't like person. somebody using authority to be wrong out loud to millions of people. I don't like somebody using their authority to profit off of being wrong. Out loud to millions, to millions of, people. of people. That's my big thing. I think it's it depends that. on whether or not she knows if she's wrong. But she can easily find out yeah, if she's wrong, but she don't fucking do it. I guess she has them. She yeah. She has it, all of the resources in yeah. the world, but you can find out that you're that you're wrong. But you want to sell products? Fuck the hell. I don't. Know. I, I I don't know. I guess I'm one of the, I'm one of the others. So just you can you can dislike me and my opinions. I don't dislike you. I just think Gwyneth Paltrow is the devil. I just think you'd be wrong sometimes, Nancy. And that's okay. Of course, of course. All right. You want to tell us a fucking story, Jesse? <laughs> Not really. Yeah, I really don't want to do this, dude. All right. So, last week, I told you guys um, the story of the Finders. And I'm just going to do a quick recap. Oh, here. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, in February of 1987, Tallahassee police received a call regarding six visibly neglected children being supervised by two well-dressed men at the park. Upon arrival, police see that the children were underdressed, malnourished, filthy, and covered in bug bites. The two men, Douglas Amerman and James Michael Hallwell, were arrested and charged with six counts of misdemeanor (coughs) child abuse and then held on a $100,000 bond. Uh, This sparked a nationwide investigation that pointed to satanic ritual child abuse, and just six weeks later, all charges were dropped, and Ammerman and Hallwell were released. Four months after the initial arrest, U.S. Customs agent Adrian Martinez, along with private investigator James Bradley, filed an independent report, and their findings were troubling, to say the least. 
they found evidence hinting at not just satanic a satanic cult, but an international child trafficking ring spanning all the way to China. They also found very advanced telecommunications tech stuff that would not become consumer goods for nearly another decade. But the hinkiest part was that they had found a detailed summary of the arrest of Ammerman and Hallwell, but this summary had been sent a day after the arrest, which was way before the story had broke. Uh-huh. Uh, however, this report wouldn't see the light of day for another 30 years. And this is the story of the finders. Okay. Oh, boy. Uh, I gave myself goosebumps when I wrote that. It was really fucked up. Uh, yeah. It's not even that good. I'm kind of easy. <laughs> a cheap date. All right. So fast to forward. yourself and, <laughs> yeah. and your yeah. pride and your own accomplishments. <laughs> fast forward. Six years have passed. It is 1993. The Martinez report has been buried and remained so. In December, the Department of Justice announced their own investigation with the aim of making conspiracy charges. During this investigation, a private eye by the name of, and I need you guys to brace yourselves for this one because it's great. His name is Skip Clements, which a private eye named Skip Clements. If I needed to hire someone to tail my cheating whore of a wife, it's going to be Skip Clements. All legs or whatever. The leg. She's nine hundred legs. She's so many. She has so many legs. More legs. (laughs) You turn off your mic. Thank you. Legs. Legs. I. I'm. I'm holding it weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Skip Clements. Uh, Skip Clements. <laughs> like so on the nose, dog. <laughs> I know. It's a lot. Uh, Skip Clements claimed that Martinez was ordered to cease all investigations into the finders. Clements also claimed that Martinez was told by a senior U.S. customs official that the finders was, quote, a CIA operation. These claims made their way to Congress, which led to the DOJ to investigate the CIA directly. Wow. Yeah. Because uh, is, is, I'm sorry, is your CIA operation trafficking children? Is that the CIA okay, operation? Okay, so I, I have, I, I, I think I know what's going on there. I, this is all speculation, but we'll get to it. Um, the official stance of the CIA is that Martinez misunderstood his order. Uh, this had become a CIA internal matter because a member of the Finders was employed at the CIA. He ran a computer training facility that operated under the name Future Enterprises, Inc., a name so vague that it loops back around to being nefarious. Uh Uh, (laughs) This prompted the investigation, right? Mm. Um, The VP, the vice president of Future Enterprises, confirmed that it had been used to train CIA operatives, but of course denied being a shell company for the finders, right? Uh Uh, Second, however, uh, according to a quote from an unnamed CIA agent from the Washington Post, operatives were being sent to a, quote, finders corp, Future Enterprises, for training for computer operations. So, like, Finders, it's Finders Corp, colon, Future Enterprises Incorporated. So, interesting. Uh, huh. A later U.S. And if Future co- Enterprises is a CIA. It is at the very. Guys, so we think. We know at least it is a facility that has been used to train 
CIA operatives. Right. What's up for debate at this point is whether or not it was CIA ran. Ran. Right? Which, I mean, come on. But the CIA employee started this business, correct? Uh, Was at least in charge of it. He he, he ran the show. He ran the show. So that's a CIA. Or Do you understand what I'm saying? This is all. Okay, so I want to say this is all. very hard to like pin down like there are mm-hmm. some reports where that say he's just like the cia claims he just was employed there because of course they're gonna say that mm-hmm. right but there are other people saying that this was like a cia this was just the cia running this shit i'm sorry do, when you're in the cia do you have multiple jobs this is what i'm trying to understand mm-hmm. do you have multiple jobs so like do you or do you work at the cia and then you also have another external job so i can this how this works i think a lot for a lot of stuff is that you work for the cia and you're given a a goal and how you achieve that goal is up to you and i'm gonna break Mm -hmm. this down later okay um so according wait uh a later u.s customs report corroborates this claim from the about the few finders corp right that this and, uh, this claims that the CIA had admitted to owning owning the Finders Corporation as a front for domestic training operations, but it, that had it had quote gone bad. And this is gonna make sense. I promise. Okay. Okay. Um, in an interview with U.S. News, then Florida House of Representatives member Tom Lewis had this to say: "Quote." Could our own government have something to do with this finders organization and turn their backs on these children? This is what all of the evidence points to, and there is a lot of evidence. I can tell you this. We have got a lot of people scrambling, and and that wouldn't be happening if there was nothing here. Yeah. Because you had to have dropped the ball somewhere. Yes. CIA. Yes. Nigga, all your whole shit is intelligence, dog. Yes. So, like... At some point, yes. However, uh, in an interview for the same article, Marion Petty, who we talked about last time, he is the leader of the Finders and retired Air Force Master Sergeant. We talked about him last yes. week. Um, he denies any allegations of Satanism or child abuse, along with any connections to the CIA. And I want to note the contradiction here. So the the guy allegedly in charge of this this organization, right, says we have no connections with the CIA at all. But the CIA is saying, yeah, they helped train our computer dudes. Yeah. So there's a contradiction there. He he claims that the finders are only, or uh, he claims that the CIA is only interested in the finders because his wife used to work for them. Um, and then from here. The Department of Justice just drops its investigation. <laughs> or the findings were buried way too deep for me to find without being paid to look for them. You uh-huh. can subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, it, this was the last we would hear from the finders. And Petty died in 2004. Good riddance. What about the jail trip? Well... I don't have a good answer for that. I wish I did. Jeez. Um, that's the complete timeline. That okay. and then everything I told you about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, from here, I'm going to go over just 
some shit that was uncovered recently that's going to give things a little bit more context, and then I'm just going to kind of speculate from there, okay. and we can talk. Um, we're going to fast forward to 2019 now. Uh, Twitter is a shithole, but it still has a smedge of cred- credibility as a platform, so the FBI tweets a link to 600 pages of heavily redacted documents detailing their investigation into the finders. Um, and when I say heavily redacted, like there's there was one page that was like a wall of redacted words except for like there and like and Uh and when you know like it was just nothing you know um and this is just really tricky to navigate because of that like Uh it's just it was so much nothing to sort through which is Uh like by design right like you can't find there's nuggets of like nefarious shit in there if you can find it yeah um, in October of 1993, the Department of Justice requested that the FBI perform a preliminary, preliminary inquiry into the finders based on claims of satanic ritual abuse made by redacted. This is assumed to be Skip Clements. Right. And to investigate claims of CIA invi- involvement. In these documents, redacted claims that the CIA, the State Department, and the FBI's Foreign foreign Counterintelligence Agency conspired to cover up the existence of the finders. Uh, redacted here is presumed to be uh, Martinez and thus backed by the U.S. Customs uh-huh. Agency because he was a U.S. Customs agent, right? Um, FBI documents also confirm that Jim Bradley, the private eye who worked with Martinez, was told by someone to drop the case. An additional search warrant led to a farm in West Virginia. No ties to to government agencies were found. However, very clear evidence of ritual abuse was found. Customs tried to tried to use this to get access to further evidence that was being held by what I'm assuming is just alphabet soup agencies, you know. Uh-huh. Um, however, that request for information was denied. Internal documents from the MDB intelligence agency. This is like a military defense thing that I, I I've never heard of it before. Uh-huh. Um, they advise that anything regarding any documents regarding details of the finders be classified at the secret level and that no documents should be handed over to the FBI under any circumstances. Interesting. In interviews, former members of the finders detailed methods used to silence anyone speaking out. In one such case, someone's house was burnt down and that's still an open arson case. Um, They would also like if family members of the children tried to contact the children or anyone associated with the cult. They would send like their grandparents or whatever, really detailed description letters of really detailed descriptions of their abuse. And sometimes that would include like drawings or pictures of the children being abused. Why would they do that? Just like, I think it was like, as a way, like if you don't shut the fuck up, like it's gonna get a lot worse. Oh, I, I think see. it was like a okay. threat, you know, like we're already doing this. Uh-huh. If you don't shut up, it's gonna get worse. Um. Plus, they they clearly at this point, it's very clear they have like they can do whatever they want uh-huh. with like flagrant disregard to the law. Yeah, you know. Um. 
There's also talk amongst these former members of infiltrating Redacted in the United States. Consensus seems to think that Redacted here in the documents is either the FBI or the CIA. Uh-huh. So, like, members of the Finders uh, were trying to, if they hadn't or they had successfully, like, infiltrated the CIA, uh-huh. right? A search warrant was issued for a farm in Madison County, Virginia. Um, evidence was found there that suggested an attempted takeover of city government in Culpeper, Virginia. Cages were also found on the farm. Witnesses claimed that those cages were for children. Oh. Um, and finally, uh, there one of the investigators in his summary had this to say. It is of the writer's belief that the Finders organization is and has been utilized by the Central Intelligence Agency as a disinformation service spreading non-essential, non-critical information to various organizations throughout the United States and overseas. This, this group, to the most part, is made up of overeducated non-achievers who lack the inborn initiative to succeed on the, uh, their own. Therefore, they fell in with a charismatic, charismatic leader who gave them direction and self-importance. To the most part, this, is, this organization individually is harmless. However, when directed, directed and monitored by a controlling factor, they are capable of destructive and illegal activities. In any cult structure, the main drive is for the group and individual values and ideology is lost. Therefore, when a member is asked to perform a task that heretofore may have been objectionable, he or she performs this mission for the good of the group. They're talking about like brainwashing here, I think, yeah. right? Um, as for the children, the, the abuse of children, I do not think that child abuse was plan- a planned tactic of this group, but as in any cross-section of society, this is fucking crazy, but as in any cross-section of society, sick and demented subjects belong to a cult as well. I do, do believe that the shaping of children is a planned experiment of this group, as is the case of the Nazis. They strove for a perfect society, thereby in their own way they tried to form a group of children and ultimately adults that did not suffer from the ills of normal society but took only the benefits that afforded them perfection this is like a weird like they're trying to like uh, yeah i'm trying to understand because what the fuck are you talking about where where in your cult like you you okay here i am i the charismatic leader, yada yada, whoop de whoop de whoop. When did we start trafficking children, though? So was it for money? Was it for? It's really funny, Brent. That's what I think was going on. Let me finish up this last. Okay. I'm not quite done with the summary, and then I'll talk about that. Um, lastly, I do not feel that the finders have disbanded. That I feel this is by far the most important part. I okay. just want to reiterate that. Lastly, I do not feel that the finders have been disbanded, as reported by their leaders. As uh, instead, as in their master plan, have appeared to have disbanded to prevent further detection by law enforcement or social services officials. I believe firmly that this group should be monitored, monitored in a general sense, and if further development occur, they should be noted. Like these people are still uh. out there. Yeah, like Marion Petty's dead. Yeah, but all the people under him. Right. And cults don't just, like, somebody assumes that position of power right. in cults. Yeah. yeah. 
So, do they think that they, like, moved somewhere else? We don't know. That was it. We don't know. And they don't know where these people are at all? Nope. So they I mean, they probably know, yeah. Because, like, they're on the fucking CIA payroll. Wait. Well, payroll. I don't think they're... Well, that's the thing. Okay, so what I think is going on, right, is that Marion Petty was given a job. Uh, he was given a goal, like anybody who works for the CIA. Uh-huh. How you fund that goal, especially with these black ops, is up to you. Figure it the fuck out. Right? Just like the Iran-Contra, like the uh-huh. U.S. government, the CIA, sold crack to fund the Iran-Contra, right, right? Right, I just think this is a case of Marion Petty selling children to the people in Hong Kong that we talked about last week, and vice versa, buying children from Hong Kong and selling them to wealthy individuals here in the U.S. to fund his CIA operations. But it's like, that's crazy. Of course that's crazy. Uh, but it's what's being done. But it's like... it's like CIA just fund their own operations? That's my question. Because uh, then they have to explain where that money's going, right? They have these things called black ops, where a lot of... Like, they just... They don't have to explain where the money's coming in from or where the money's going. Okay, so... Okay, 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 okay. So from the information they, that you they gave just, me... They chalk that up to national security or whatever. Like, they don't tell you because if they told you, that would mean if terrorism wins. From what you basically said, if I'm, if I'm following this correctly, the CIA needed um, to spread misinformation. Correct. So then they, they hired a dude to do that job. Correct. Um, Former uh, Air Force Master Sergeant uh, Marion Petty. Um, and then he, like, also trained other CIA agents mm-hmm. in the spreading of misinformation. Correct. And now whether or and not then he, he I, separately started a cult. I and then I, he infused I, the cult. The cult into is the, his uh, means to that end. Now whether or not. Do you think that the cult was means to that end, or some nigga just wanted to make a cult? That's that's kind of what's up for debate, right? Is if Marion knew that he was just there to spread misinformation, then yes, the cult is a means to that end. However, if Marion Petty was just a useful idiot, then it was just some motherfucker trying to start a cult, abusing his power. However, given the fact that he is, like I said, a you a retired master sergeant, like I said last week, that that that, that ain't no slouch. Mm-hmm. He had to have known what was up. He had to have known what the deal was. I do not believe for a second that he didn't. He knew what the deal was that he was trafficking children. Or other people were trafficking. He children? knew what his goal was. His, what he his knew, job he, was he, with the and CIA. That was how he chose to fund it. Mm-hmm. It's so complicated. Yeah, it's that's a lot. What I'm trying to. Uh, it's a it, lot to parse it through, and I apologize. Sense. Like for that. if the CIA part was his goal, if that was what, what a weird way to go about doing any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like starting a cult is like a side hustle. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so it's like. Or is it? Well, hold on. Let me hear you with this. Or is it though. that hold this up, guy started a cult? Was a was you know starting a cult or whatever the fuck, and also just happened to be good, 
have connections in other places. Uh, that like is he a was already I suppose that, that is a possibility. Guy. Sure. And then the CIA was like, "Oh, you can help me spread misinformation." Sure. And then and then he was like, "Oh, I can also now that I'm part of the CIA, I can use that to further my network of child trafficking shit. I can boost my I can boost my operation." Because right. now I'm part of the CIA. Fuck, the I forgot CIA what I was going to say. Um, what, what was the thing you said? Oh, something about how he started a cult as a side hustle? Yeah, that... No, didn't help, no, sorry. didn't help. No, you're good. Because um, it just seems... It's just such a crazy mixture of things a person does. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, so... I guess I don't think it's that really that far of a stretch. So if you think about it, think about how like similarly an MLM is structured to a cult. Yeah. You know, like it's just this structure that is used to break people down. I bet like we know a comic who his like who used to be in the military and did like interrogation and shit. I I feel like Uh he's talked about this shit. Like it's very similar techniques. Are you okay? Are you talking about Camp Camp? Are you saying no. the CIA structure would be similar? Is that what you're trying to say? I mean, why wouldn't they use the like they're already using the same techniques a cult would use in Guantanamo Bay, like uh, sleep deprivation, calorie deprivation, uh, psychological and physical torture, right, right? Right. Why? Why wouldn't they just use it under the guise of a cult this time? You know, to do to what end though? To what end is the cult? Does the cult matter to the CIA? I don't think the cult. Is, again, I think the cult is a means to an end. What end? I, That's that, what well, I'm saying. Don't that know, don't man. make no that, sense. That shit is secret. That shit. I don't know. To spread misinformation. Misinformation about what? I don't fucking but know. To, but I assume they were spreading misinformation to other countries. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, probably so China. So how the fuck is a is a fucking cult? in the united states going to help you achieve that i don't know but it would have to be the other way around but it's confirmed that this was a thing so right no i know i'm just trying to understand i don't know i don't know i'm just trying to understand how we got here yeah i don't i don't know cia computers misinformation child traffic how did all of this come to be i don't know why how... would those niggas like 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 why why were they traveling with the little girls but also with fancy computers what were they doing i think there what was going on is they just they dropped off some kids someplace picked up kids there to drop them off at another place and were waiting for their orders via the computer I see. A lot of this stuff is just kind of speculation, That's which is insane. That's, the whole story is insane. Um, I think what's <laughs> the worst part about all of this, though, is like, so like the uh, like modern narrative now is that it's like they're trans in the youth or whatever. Um, but like there are they're transing the youth yeah the, 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 like well the trans people are <laughs> oh, I like see, I see. you know a like scorch. that's but like Skirt. it's not it's it's rich and powerful people 
right? And CIA operatives, like, fucking kidnapping the youth and selling them. It's not fucking... Right. Like, this is a problem. Like, yeah. it is happening. Child trafficking is happening, but it's not fucking gay people. It's not. It's the CIA. It's the CIA. Uh, it is. It is any... Whatever group um, has the power or the people that are just blatantly kidnapping kids and trafficking them yeah you know i want to see the manifest you know let me see the manifest that's crazy i just have to say i don't really understand why child trafficking is such a like a large industry i mean like how many people really would actually want to fuck a kid a, lo- a lot and i but I th- like why well no i don't think it is a lot i think it's you know how the um the uh, free-to-play mmo industry operates on whales like a few people who spend a lot of money yeah i think that's what's going on yeah i i would i yeah i would agree with that but i i would also agree with like Man, there's a lot of pedophiles. Yeah, for like sure. that. There's a lot of them. But why? But there's not. I can't tell you what in their brain makes it so that they want to. I think it depends on the pedophile. Children. You know? Do you think it's just that? I think there's no one Children thing. are less capable of like making decisions. I think it's got no. nothing to do so with the children. I don't think it has power. Power dynamics. Um, it's a lot of reasons. Yeah. I mean, TBIs, like we talked about earlier, I listened to an episode of Radio Lab that talked about that once, who, like mm-hmm. a guy who was perfectly normal beforehand, but then started watching child porn, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. he had a TBI. But there's also, like, uh, people who were fucking abused as children. Uh, that Not that that's a fucking yeah. excuse, yeah, but there are a million fucking reasons it, why someone is the way they are, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It's fucked it's like so awful yeah like as a thing that we need to fix it's that one you know like good god this was really uh rough too just really terrible research it just i kind of wanted to die after that there's such a horror in the world that the government like, is aware of it and just like not doing yeah. fuck all about it. But it's like, because like that's the thing though. Like you, if you assume the best case about like the CIA's involvement in this, right? They're still not doing fuck all about it. Yeah. You know, like that's the best case scenario is that they're indifferent to it, which yeah. is fucked. Yeah. I just think it's further proof that there might actually be an Illuminati. I mean, I yeah. In that, of course, there's a that group. There's a like, group of rich, rich dickheads. People, yeah, of course, being dickheads. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's like the Illuminati. I mean, I don't necessarily think that but, they're like supernatural. But yeah, like that, rich but. people are fucking awful. Rich men, insane, insane human beings. You know, I guess I think I think after a certain part, like if you you pass a certain wealth point, like you transcend like man, woman, black, white, like yeah. you're just like a billionaire, you're fucking scum. Yeah, no, like you I deserve think, to be shot in the back of the head. I think what the thing is is that people who are able to get rich are the people who are willing to do immoral things. I think that's kind of the general. Well, well, I don't works. think you can get that rich doing moral things, you know? That's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, uh, well, if I, you know, if I felt okay 
scamming people out of their money there's a ton of different jobs i could have i don't think that you can get that rich um period like to be insanely wealthy is to have already been insanely wealthy and maybe you just got a little bit more funds but like in order to be like a billionaire yeah you were already a millionaire like there's no new there's no new to the situation you grew up that's just uh i think that there's like a difference between people who are born into money and then they don't necessarily pursue that anymore Uh and then there's people that are born into money who do pursue that and the things that they have to do correct are generally immoral things right but i but i think yeah yeah Yes. Yeah. Why are you guys looking at me? I don't know. We're done talking. Uh, this was terrible. Yeah, fuck rich people, dude. Word. I want to um, be like, I want to be like mildly rich. I want to be like Tignataro rich. <laughs> I don't want to be diddle kids rich. That's for sure. No. Yeah. I want to have like a decent house. Bill Clinton. Kind of rich. Could you... I found... I want to I do a part three on this at some point because I found several articles that like tied Epstein to all of this in a like uh. Uh, three degrees of Kevin Spacey or yeah. whatever that's called. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh yeah i just did not have the emo- emotional fortitude yeah to, man that shit's fucking rough dude i need it's to like, leave uh, kids alone man worship satan all you want to leave yeah. kids the fuck why, alone why why besmirch satan's like, good name and like to the to to have the fucking gall to the to also mistreat those children mm-hmm. while they're in your care for what dog yeah, I f- why I, are they malnourished? What I think one thing I found was really so they, uh, according to uh, pretty much all of the interviews, the children were fruititarians, right? They only ate raw fruits and vegetables. Um, however, like when <clears throat> the that uh, those pictures of them performing animal sacrifice uh-huh. were found, their excuse was, "Oh, we were teaching them animal husbandry," but the kids are fruititarians. Yeah, the kids yeah. don't eat meat. Yeah. so why are they slaughtering meat? Mm-hmm. Right. It just all of it makes, and it just. And how dare you make a kid be a fruit of tear? Like what a what a terrible thing to do! Just a shit. Kill them. Just kill them. Like what the fuck? They'll never have a cheesy gordita crunch. So shitty. Terrible thing to do to a child. Yeah. Probably the worst thing they've done to the children. I didn't mean that. That was a joke. Probably in poor taste. Uh, I this mean, everything is, you do is in poor taste. That's yeah, true. That's, that's true. that was my you nickname in high school. Son of a bitch, Jesse Poor Taste McIntyre. Mm, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the good, the bad, and the funny. Uh, the good, the bad, and the funny is hosted by Jesse McIntyre, Lynette Thomas, and Stacy Sark. Intro music by Jared Scott. For more, you can follow us on Facebook at the Good, the Bad, and the Funny. And if you want to help us out financially, so we can do more stuff like this better, you can subscribe to us on the Patreon at the Good, the Bad, and the Funny. Uh, and do we have a Patreon?
Yes, we do. Uh, yep, yep. I'll send you the info later. I'm trying to do this right now. And uh, if you have any stories you'd like to hear featured on the podcast, you can email that to goodbadorfunny at gmail.com. Everybody say bye. 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 bye.